You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. the 42 cast your ultimate answer to fandom geekiness and everything as always i am your host nathan and we have another great episode lined up for you where we're going to talk about thor love and thunder but before we do that let's meet our cast for this week so starting off uh he hasn't been on the show for a very long time but when he does come on he comes on and he drops the big opinions and that is my buddy eric aka the kraken how are you doing eric I'm well, and yourself? I'm doing all right. So uh, this is going to be another one of those awkward episodes where we have two Eric's. So I'm just going to call you the Kraken again. Um, yeah, yeah, just to distinguish you. Uh, so, <laughs> so uh, yeah, what's been new for you? Because I think it was like Wonder Woman two was the uh, last one you uh, you know Wonder Woman 1984 was the last one you were on. Uh, I yeah, I think that's accurate. I can't remember any other ones I've done more recent than that. Yeah. So, so what's been going on for you in like the last couple of years? <laughs> I've not much, just working, uh, playing some online games and uh, taking care of the kiddo. Well, I mean, that doesn't sound like a bad life at all. No, it's good. Uh, she's starting to get into video games and like, uh, can't imagine the, well, 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 maybe you could, but the amount of pride I felt when she beat her first super Mario level. Mm. Mm. No, that's cool. Yeah, no, I tried. I tried to get my kids into like game. they just want to play like quick app things. They don't want to play like real video games. They like I don't know. Mobile just, games aren't games. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> that's kind of my point of view too. Like Rachel played Super Mario Brothers, got through one four, but then like kind of lost interest. Like didn't really play it much after that. You know, and uh, every once in a while, I did, but I get them a Switch and they barely play it. Like they'll play Mario Kart every once in a while, you know, but it's like, you know, I got them a few games, but it's like they didn't, they don't play it enough for me to justify buying other games. So it's just kind of like, you know, what you're going to do. Yeah. My, mine's big into Animal Crossing, uh, Mario mm-hmm. Kart. They have Animal Crossing. That's one of the ones that I got. They don't play it like at all. Um, Amelia kind of hurts me because the few times she does want to play, she wants to play Sonic games. And I'm like, oh, Sega, Sega, no, Nintendo. <sighs> anyway, well, you know, Nintendo I grew up in that generation where you had to be one or the other. Like you couldn't be both. So, you know, <laughs> right. But Sega lost that war. Right? I know. Well, that's why I'm like, yeah, they're a defeated, conquered. They, they, you know, in true Japanese fashion, they should just go away and like, just like be like, we are subservient now, you know, <laughs> Sega does what Nintendo don't uh, like fail. Uh, <laughs> 
I like that. I like that. But anyway, yeah, no, it's, yeah, that's that's sort of the state of things. I always have the mind, you know, because I've collected like over a hundred NES games now. Just you know, buying games whenever I see them or whatever, not with any like strong determination. I just pick them up. But it's like I never have the time to play any of them. So you know, it's just kind of like you know why buy a new system when i have these old systems and i have plenty of games for them that i've never played you know so anyway true true <laughs> it's good to have you back on Eric. good to be back <laughs> all right next up we have another person that we haven't had in a while and that is i think because he's been moving around the country and that is my buddy will how are you doing will i'm good i'm uh it's it's not been that long, but it doesn't seem like it's been that long. You know, uh, I mean, I've posted an episode with you in it recently, but that was when we recorded quite a while back. <laughs> right. <laughs> Almost uh, yeah. a year ago, <laughs> which I think might have been the last time you were on. No, it was quite a bit then. Um, it, it was, uh, it, it's just been crazy. It's been crazy. I'm, I'm, I'm in a new town, new city, um, teaching and doing a new thing. I'm in a, now a librarian. Very happy to be doing that. Getting to nerd out my entire library and get stuff like that going and Still doing the esports report because I've been on some things. I've, I know that we talked about the esports report mm-hmm. and um, WGNA's podcast. You know, just trying to work on some stuff and you know, father of three, busy, <laughs> just busy working. So no, 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 I know, and and you have one that's like you have a, a young child, a new one, right? yeah, thirteen yeah. months, uh, thirteen months. She's yeah. awesome. So and um, it you're, you're starting not, over again. <laughs> 47 years old, I'll be 64 when she graduates high school. So, what's the age gap? What's the age gap between your youngest and the next one? 12? 12 yeah. years? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. COVID. Uh, my, daughter's uh, yeah. Name is COVID. my daughter's name is COVID. <laughs> Middle name 19. Uh, so, so, things happen, man. Things happen. Yeah, but she's a great. It's great. Uh, it's, it's a good move. My son's graduated. My middle child's going into seventh grade, and she's looking forward to a really good school, a good school district down here. So I'm excited. I mean, I mean, my wife's getting to stay home with a little one, and I own my home outright now. So, oh, I, yeah. that is very nice. Yeah, I mean, at 47 years old, I don't have a mortgage. I, those are words I'm very proud to say. So, all right, cool deal. Well, it is good to have you back on the show, Will. I'll, always, Nathan. You know I'm gonna miss it, man. All right. And next up, he is the guy that absolutely loves comics. And that is my buddy, Eric Ratcliffe. How are you doing, Eric? I've realized at the, at this point in my life that, uh, you, you, you live, you live at one point and you appreciate the movie clerks and then you grow up enough and you realize you're living the movie. Clerks. <laughs> oh, 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 I thought you were going to say that you uh, either you live. you. Oh, no, wait a minute. I got that back. When you start saying you live, I think you either die here or live to be the villain. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, <laughs> but I got it backwards. My head. I was I'm, all, the I'm always the villain. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan might think he's the villain, but I'm the villain. <laughs> mm. I saw a um, steampunk uh, Riddler at Fan Expo, and I thought of you. I will end to them. Because even though yours isn't steampunk, it, it was enough. It looked close enough to yours that I was just kind of like, oh, yeah, Eric. You, have you have you seen what they're doing with him in the comic books? Like, no. I, that last arc of Detective Comics, I was like, uh, I forget who the artist was, but I'm like, okay, something's up here. <laughs> like, the jacket in, like, the jacket the fingerless gloves even his facial hair he didn't have my full like beard but i was like 
something's up here. This is a little too little too me right now. What what is your this? picture circulating the internet, Eric? And somebody <laughs> was just like, "We'll use this as our model for." It might uh, be the Phil. It might be Phil Noto. Now that I'm thinking of it, and I might be butchering his last name. I think that might have been who did it. And it was like Mariko, I always butcher her last name, was the writer. Uh, and then I think it was Phil Noto on art. But it, like I said, I just saw it and I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. That jacket looks familiar. Those gloves look familiar. What is this? I mean, I will say I did Google your name once and most of the hits were you with the Riddler costume on. So I'm just, I'm just saying. He might not have been a podcaster, but he was a radio host. So hmm. something's up. <laughs> Riddler's up to something. Someone at DC. I, I, I'm on to you. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool. Um, I thought so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Conspiracy theories. Yeah. But uh, anything else new and exciting going on? Uh, not exciting. <laughs> no. Just adjusting to, uh, to uh, my new um, gig as an assistant manager. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and regretting certain moments of it. But uh, uh, I'll bounce back. It's been a day. <laughs> yeah, well, at least at least you can say you were a manager of uh, some kind on your resume, so maybe that'll open up opportunities in the future too. So, you make it sound like I'm 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 not just a little under a month in. Jeez, I'm not going anywhere yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying, if even if you're miserable, <laughs> like there's there's good that can come out of it. But anyway, it's true. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to have you back on the show. It's always good to be. All right, and finally, it is the man you love to hate. That is Ryan Guthrie. How are you doing, Ryan? Well, I'm doing fantastic, but uh, I got to do, do make a, a quick correction here to Eric. Um, you know, villain is our word, only we can use it. Uh, you have to say criminal mastermind, okay? That's that's what the preferred nomenclature uh, for us. You know, I just want to put that out there. Otherwise, I'm doing fantastic, um, you know, just... Not to, not to make it about the weather, but I'm in Texas and, you know, just trying to, trying to survive the summer, you know, aren't we all, you know? Um, but yeah, catching up on TV. You were saying you were fantastic. And then you started talking about the weather. Well, you know, I mean, it's, it's, let me put you this way. I mean, I, I'm not, I, I don't mind malls. I kind of enjoy the malls. COVID maybe put me off of them for a little bit, mm. but like being temporarily unemployed in the summer in Texas has given me a new appreciation uh, for air conditioning in malls. You know, I, I think I, uh, I've discovered every place in the food court that gives out free samples <laughs> at the moment. So, yeah. So I guess that's more of a mall rat, uh, you know, commentary than a, than a clerk's commentary, but you know, see, this is the thing. I always felt closer to mall rats than I did to yeah. clerks. I was like, this is the show that this is the movie that speaks to me and my life experiences <laughs> far more. That's your Kevin Smith movie. Uh, <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I'm really surprised. Like I, you see all those means what Hogwarts house are you? What, uh, you know, what, what all these others, why hasn't there, why hasn't someone created a quiz that tells you what Kevin Smith movie are you? Yeah, I'd be kind of scared if anyone picked Chasing Amy, honestly. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Dogma. Although I do have a friend who is like, I've, I've only seen that movie. Well, like, he loves Kevin Smith movies, and he's like, Chasing Amy, I've only seen once. I'll never watch it again. It was basically like, <laughs> I was like, wait, wait. And he's like, yeah, no, basically, that's that that's the story. Like, I've had that life. And I was like, oh, oh. oh. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I, that's that's probably the one Kevin Smith movie I haven't seen since it came out. Mm. And I also have the feeling that that's the one that's 
would be the most problematic hold up the least yeah. uh, of, of every Kevin Smith movie. Um, so now actually, yeah, I think probably like at 2 a.m. tonight, I'm going to be like, let me check it out. <laughs> see, see how it holds up now. Now I'm kind of curious, but yeah. Uh, but I, I would probably be end up being um, Jane Silent Bob Strike Back <laughs> if I actually did come up with one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I really doubt your life is as that as as, as eventful slash funny oh. as that movie <laughs> is. <laughs> so the rest of us picked realistic choices, okay? Well, you know like, what? That's not... I, I'm sorry, Nathan. Just wait till the the they turn my autobiography into a movie where I will obviously be played by Henry Cavill, and you will see. <laughs> okay. Well, it is uh, it is an experience to have you back on the show, Ryan. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I do what I can, and uh, I'm I'm still waiting for those checks that start showing up. <laughs> I'm going to. I'll pay you half of what I'm getting paid. How's that deal? Yeah. You think that's I fair? Like All right. well, I, I, at least give me toy rights. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, the Funko Pops that will come from yeah. this show. Well, they'll be in Eric's room next. Uh, yeah. Well, they'll be in Eric's room. They'll be in Mike Faber's room. Like, right, be... right, yes. Eric and Mike competing. competing <laughs> All right. Oh, boy. All right. Well, moving on from that, we're going to have another fun discussion, and that's because coming up is our five-minute controversy. Woo! Yeah, this time I'm looking forward to to hearing it because I think this time there's going to be some dissent, which I haven't had in a while. Everybody's been agreeing too much. So we haven't uh, been on. <laughs> we haven't been on. <laughs> so, so this week, um, so first of all, I will admit I have not yet watched Miss Marvel. Uh, just finished Obi Wan. Uh, actually, so I'm a little behind on my streaming stuff. Uh, but uh, I absolutely love, uh, I, I hope I don't butcher her name, Iman Vellani, uh, who plays her, because everything that I've seen with her is basically her being like, I am a total comics nerd. And unlike most, see, like most actors, when they say that, it's just like, I read like a dozen comics when I got the job of this role. And so I, I totally know all about the comics now, man. But like, she's oh. like clearly like a really big comics nerd. So I love her already. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so uh, recently it's come out that she has uh, a lot of feelings about the fact that the MCU is referring to itself as Earth 616, which is what the Earth in the comics uh, is uh, numbered as, uh, whereas the comics have established that the MCU Earth is Earth 199999. And so she's she's taking issue with Kevin Feige, and quite publicly now taking issue with Kevin Feige for uh, having the MCU numbered as 616. Uh, so I am curious how everybody feels about this. Do you think it's okay for the MCU? And, oh, I will say this, though. Also, the Multiverse of Madness was not the first place this was mentioned, even though that's when this is blowing up. Uh, actually, Thor the Dark World is the one that I can think of the first time it was mentioned that because um, in Selvig's uh, formula that he had written on the background, uh, it actually said Earth 616 when he's talking about like, the cosmic conjunction or whatever. They never actually speak it, but it's there in the background of the scene. So uh, actually, they've been doing this for a while, calling it Earth 616, but I don't think many people noticed those little oblique 
uh, references to it. So, um, curious what people's thoughts are on this. Should they be calling it Earth-199999? Do you think it's a problem that they're doing this since the comics tried to already incorporate the MCU into the multiverse? Um, so, I'm going to start with you on this one, Eric. I mean... Baigi hasn't said one way or the other. It was it's it's a very particular screenwriter who I would like to have some words with just as much as Amon wants to have words with the guy because obviously in every interview she's she's been going at this guy hard and it's amazing and I love her for it. But this that was probably one of the biggest things that like and it's such a throwaway line. Well, no, no. no. If you read the article that I posted, I will say this: she said that Feige's response to her is is, is that it's six one six because I said so. Oh, okay. I stand mildly corrected though. <laughs> but a line of dialogue has never just completely taken me out of a out of, out of a movie so quick as that did. The second I heard that uttered, I was like. Excuse you? You wanna no. No 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 like my comic my comic reading long time comic book reading nerdy brain shut down completely because I'm like okay I need to have some words with a screenwriter because no this is no 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 that would be like that would be like the the arrowverse suddenly going oh where are you know like where I forget what they call the. They're, they're calling it now Earth Prime, the the combined Earths after Crisis. Yeah, but I'm I know there's like a there's a slightly different name for what they're calling the main Prime Earth inside of the comic books. That's oh, the okay. comparison I wanted to make. I oh, forget okay. yeah, I, I forget know. what they're calling it now. I know it's not like Earth Zero or maybe Earth One, whatever they're calling that now. That would be like the Arrowverse trying to lay claim that that they were basically replacing the comic books because that just i mean it goes back to what what ryan and i were talking about with the with the whole uh creator's rights thing it just feels like it just feels like and obviously i know feige probably doesn't mean it this way but to me it feels like him literally stabbing a knife into the the fact that you know the root of where all this stuff comes from, and then suddenly you got a screenwriter going, "Oh no, this is the six one six. The the hell it is. No, no, I'm sorry. The comic books are why any of this exists. You can't just suddenly claim that you're the six one six and let, let and suddenly have everybody being uh, okay with it. That's why I love Amon flat out being like, "No, no, no. It's Earth nine. You know, one nine nine I'm like, "Yeah, you go, girl. I'm right there with you because no." I'm sorry. No, 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 no. And I'll let somebody else have a turn, but I will keep saying no. <laughs> Brian, rebuttal. <laughs> okay, so um, I'm actually, <laughs> I'm glad I was name dropped on that one. Um, uh, because I, I, I've never thought about it from like the aspect of, of as an insult to writers, creators, which I have to, I don't really see it that way, but it's an, it's an interesting take. Um, and, and maybe there's some validity to it, but, uh, I, if, I don't think it's, I don't think Feggy or anyone else is, is saying that this is 616, like in an insulting way or to try to, to steal from, from creators or anything. But I do think he's right. I do think Feggy's right, but his logic is flawed. You know, his logic was, is 616 because I say it's 616. That's stupid. It's 616 because of the same reason that if I go to an alternate universe and I find 
another Ryan. Well, it's not like, oh, you know, his why why is your name Ryan? My name's Ryan. You can't be Ryan. You need to be something else. You need to be one nine 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 Ryan. You know, uh, these alternate universes are where they're like one thing changed and it compounds further down the way. You know, further downstream. So of course every Earth or most Earths are going to call themselves six one or every universe is going to call themselves six one six because if that's what one universe decided, that's probably what they, unless it's randomized, that's what they all decide to call themselves. It's kind of like it always pre flashpoint flash it, it always made me annoy me that like like the, all these universes got together or or individually came up with the exact same numbering system and they were cool i'm sorry no universe is going to be i'm cool being universe 17 i don't need to be universe 1 every every earth is going to want to be earth 1 you know that's just human nature so yeah i i, I think i think it's just every universe doesn't call themselves 616 unless you have an because relative to themselves, they are. So unless you have some sort of outside, you know, omnipotent power, which the MCU has had many times, doing the numbering system, it makes perfect sense. Well, that's what I was going to ask, because when I was reading Marvel comics, Marvel didn't do numbering. They said, that's a DC thing. We don't do that. So Eric, when they started doing the numbering, was it the Watchers that imposed the numbering system? Where did the numbering come from in Marvel? It's it's actually, uh, and I love I, I love that you're asking this, and I've I only found out like within the last ten years. The second I picked up um, uh, Alan Moore and Alan Davis's fantastic uh, Captain Captain Britain run, that is where it's established. That is the first time in continuity. Right. Oh, did Alan Davis do that? I used to love you, man. Well, Alan, Alan Moore. Alan Moore. <laughs> oh, did Alan it. Moore. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's during that Captain Britain yeah. run is the first time we ever hear or see anybody talk about the Marvel Universe being 616. That's right. where that designation first popped up. So that's about the mid the mid 80s, give or take. I think that was 86, 87. Okay, because nobody ran with that for years because we used to just differentiate worlds by what was different. Like, oh, it's the one where the Fantastic Four yep. didn't get powers, you know, or it's the one yep. where, you know, like we, or they, when they became the Fantastic Five or the one where Vision took over the world or, well, you know. It didn't used to be important, you know. In fairness to that point, I mean, we didn't really start seeing any sort of designations until about the mid-90s when you had, like, uh, um, 2099 and you had uh, MC2 or MC2 and then um, um, blanking on the, the, the other Mutant uh, X. Well, no, this is this is yeah. This is even before the Ultimates. Oh. What he's talking about. Yeah. The Ultimate Run really, really yeah. did that like completely whole. Right, but they didn't call yeah. them Earth something or other. It was just like this is the twenty ninety nine books. This is like the right. yeah. They didn't have. They still didn't say like Earth whatever. Yeah, but that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like that's when they really started playing with it. Like Mutant X and obviously MC two and all that stuff is when you first really saw the splintering. It was them. just called M two, by the way. There was no was seat. it M2? Yeah. Oh, my bad. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Um, Will, what do you think about all this? I, I was wondering, you know, <laughs> yeah, 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 I should leave, let you guys continue. No, I just wanted it. the background of the numbering because I felt like that informed the discussion after Ryan right. like, started bringing that up. So No, okay. no, no. I, I'd like to say that, one, I'd like to contradict Ryan and tell him every Earth would be Earth 69. Second, the numbering system. Here's the thing. 
Uh, it, it didn't yank me out of the movie of Doctor Strange because I, it was really hard to get engaged with Doctor Strange. Um, if that's what's yanking you out of that movie, then, boy, you missed the first half an hour to 45 minutes. So, um, as far as the numbering system, I like that she's fighting. I, I like it when somebody finds something they want to fight about, and I, I love that she's sticking up for it. But honestly, to me, does it, it we the comic reading fans that are um, the overall MCU fans, it's a large percentage of comic book fans, but the majority of fans just don't care about that nit, nit, you know nitpicky thing. And yeah, it, it was like, uh, that's not necessarily true. But if it's what you're trying to make it make something make sense here, because the multiverse is being handled so oddly right now, um, it, it goes through my whole pattern. I think Kevin's got a lot bigger issues with Phase Four than this issue. If that makes sense. Yeah. And uh, the Kraken. Well. My whole take on this is he can call it 616 if he wants to, but he's wrong. So <laughs> why so like why argue about it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, because here's the thing. So, however, if it was like the, the cross-time Captain Britons that sort of worked it out amongst themselves, in some way, the numbering is consistent. Like, nobody ever shows up and says, hey, that's not the right Earth. The, the, the numbering should be this. So it's always been consistent since they employed it, right? So to me, there has been, and again, it doesn't make sense for the reasons Ryan brought out, the same reason it doesn't make sense for DC that every universe just agreed that this is our number. But if we just take that as red, then yeah, I think that Feige is, you know, sort of created a mess because basically he's saying that the comics universe is not part of the multiverse of the movies because that the movie universe has superseded it. Whereas the comics tried to make them both coexist within the multiverse by saying, uh, you know, that they're, that they, you know, that they, it's there, it's just a different number. I remember seeing a comics panel where it's like Doctor Strange is in like the space between dimensions and he says, oh, in that universe, I look like Benedict Cumberbatch. You know, and so like, the, you know, they made a reference to it, you know, within the comics that, you know, that's out there. And like kind of how, how I also looked at it is uh, when they referenced it in uh, Multiverse of Madness, she like uh, the woman said, we've designated your universe 616 and we are this number. Eight something. Yeah. yeah so, so so it's like. That's that's the number reference that they've chosen from their point of view. From our point of view, yeah, they're wrong. It's not 616, because 616 is over there. But if, like, who cares what they call themselves? Yeah, I mean, that's the argument Ryan was taking. I, I, I just, like, like I say... If, if 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 we were coming up with our own number, we would be Earth One. So if we just have to sort of accept the fact that there's a number yeah. system that everyone is adhering to, even if it doesn't make sense for everyone to adhere to it. So in that sense, I do. I I, I support uh, Iman totally with her campaign. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think yeah. she is probably going to like get nowhere with this because I mean the thing is, Feige probably didn't even think about it. You know, when it was approved, you know, because even though he's not writing it, he's asked to approve everything, right? And it's probably just like, yeah, 616, the comics, you know, say the Earth is. So, yeah, just keep going. And and so now, though, that it's been out there, he doesn't want to say, oh, actually, we were wrong, and maybe we should change that in another movie, explain that we're wrong. So I get why this is happening. It's just, yeah, it's annoying to me. And I support her making screaming as loudly as she wants to about this, even though I don't think she's going to get anywhere with her campaign. Her campaign. 
scene. And correct me if I'm wrong, but in uh, No Way Home, didn't Mysterio say that he was from mm-hmm. 616? That was the other reference before, but he was a big fat liar, so I'm not taking anything. <laughs> and I feel like um, Agents, of, I mean, I know, doesn't, well, who knows what universe that was, but Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. had a few 616 references, or at least Easter eggs. Uh, scattered maybe yeah just like the thor the dark the dark world one was an easter like they never yeah. said 616 but it was there in the blackboard so yeah um anyway all right so there we go we had an actual controversy <laughs> this time i like it <laughs> thanks mom everybody had different opinions all right but uh yeah so that, that was our five minute controversy uh and like we talked about at the top of the show now we're going to talk about thor love and thunder which we will get to as soon as we Pause for a, for a promo from another fine podcast. Welcome to Earth Station Trek, a show that talks about Star Trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. We cover topics like Star Trek versus reality. Did the board get better or worse? Finding the good in bad episodes. Pop culture in Trek. Star Trek pets. Vulcan romance. Religion in Trek. Umox for fun and pleasure. Kirk versus Picard. And why Cisco is better. Plus reviews of all the latest episodes. Check us out on your favorite podcast platform or the ESO Network. And like we mentioned at the top of the show, we are going to talk about Thor, Love and Thunder. So, uh, since some of the people on this episode have not talked to us about Thor before, I do just want to pull you on. How do you feel, not about Love and Thunder, how do you feel about the Thor franchise up to this point? So let's start with you, Will. Um, it's been hit and miss with me. I love the first one. The second one was, of course, Mediocre. The third one, I enjoyed the buddy cop concept of it, but I don't like the direction of taking the character as a whole here after after Thor one. So, okay, and uh, Eric Ratcliffe, I've talked about Thor on the show. <laughs> I've definitely talked about Thor on your show. Uh, you you did not. You were not on the Ragnarok podcast, and I did not do any of the earlier movies. Yeah, but I feel like I I've gone on a whole diatribe connected to Thor at some point on this show. But I guess I can. I mean, Endgame or some again. other parents? Yeah. <laughs> no, that was Eric six one six. Um, but no, I mean, Hem- Hemsworth is a great choice, and I mean the char- the character himself. I mean, I wasn't. I I was. I love the um the Kurt Busiek run on the comic books a lot. That's probably my first big uh, overall fandom when it comes to the avengers is that whole that whole run from the the main line to avengers forever to all of that and that's probably my first big like time i was like oh this you know thor is kind of an awesome character and then you know reading him throughout throughout on and off throughout the years early late late 2006 to like early give or take like the the 2014 15 era of uh of the comics so like i had that that very uh deep uh um source to kind of pull from and i've i've 
love the Walt Simonson run Mm -hmm. like crazy. I mean, the fact that they basically in his main costume in this film being inspired by that is still one of my favorite things heavily about the, about, about uh, what they did in the film. But um, no, overall I'm, I'm a huge, yeah. The, the like gold touches and the arches and all that it's heavily based on the, uh, the later half of the Walt Simonson stuff when he's basically wearing the, I've, I know it's God something. I forget what they call it. They must have gone back to that because in the late nineties, he wore a costume that looked just like what's in the movie. And so I thought that's what they were referencing, but anyway, I'm a fan of how uh, Chris Hemsworth takes on the character. Uh, I have made jokes uh, before the movie hit um, that before this movie hit, I was like, what if they cast a Liam, Liam Hemsworth as uh, another character (laughs) that I'm sure we'll talk about said character. But I, I was like, what if they did that? That would be really fun. But no, uh, overall, uh, I am a Thor fan. I would not call myself the biggest Thor fan imaginable. And except for Dark World, which obviously we all have a better appreciation of thanks to Endgame. But it's still not that great of a film. Uh, uh, Overall, I like what they've done. Overall, I like how I keep saying overall of the MCU uh, version of Thor. Uh, he's not of the comic book version, but still. Okay. <laughs> uh, Eric McCracken. Um, so I was shocked to learn that you were not on the Ragnarok episode. I just looked back to make sure um, because we, we met over talking about Thor at a party that ended up being like, and then three hours later, we're looking around like, hey, everybody's leaving this party. <laughs> oh, we talked about more than just Thor, but that was sort of the entry point to our uh, conversation. So, um, so yeah, Eric McCracken, what is your opinion of Thor in the MCU up to this point, Ben? Uh, well, I'm going to be a little bit on the oddball on this one because I actually did like Dark World, at least hemsworth played the character truer to thor oh yeah i like that you know like truer to the comics uh i enjoyed the ragnarok movie but i hated what they did to the character as as i'll like i've said it once i'll say it a thousand times thor is not a wisecracking funny character he's not your spider-man he's not your deadpool i he does funny things but that's not his intent he's not trying to be funny and he's a fish out of pond funny you know like most of his humor comes from him not understanding like modern english or or applying his values to modern situations and it just doesn't uh mesh well Mm. but they keep like and 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 this is part uh partly hemsworth's fault but uh he made them money so they let him do what he wants and he wants to be a comedian like well i'm sorry that's not that's not Thor. It's also the writing. It's also the writing that's taken over. Yeah, like the success of Guardians of the Galaxies, and like, well, okay, well, well, not even that. It's 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 cocky. I mean, he it's the direction he's taking the films in. Right, but I, I, I all right, but here's the thing: they would not have cat or made him the director if Guardians hadn't done. Like, they knew what they were getting when they got him. Like, that was specifically right. because they wanted to up the humor content you know, in the MCU and with Thor specifically. So yeah, no, that, that was, I, I don't think that was just an accident. Of, oh, you made it a comedy. We wouldn't have known that you would do that. You know, <laughs> uh, it, it's going to go into my, you know, gig on Thor Love and Thunder is that I enjoy the movie, but I don't, it's, it's James Gunn without the heart. 
And I think that's that's one of my digs on this movie is it just doesn't have. And that was my dig on Thor Ragnarok. It, it had more heart. Don't get me wrong. It's just it's the comedy without the heart. Because I mean, James Gunn does a oh, okay. Job hold on, hold on. Let, let Eric McCracken sorry, finish sorry, what he's sorry, saying sorry. before we get into this. Because I'm already making notes of how you're wrong. But Eric McCracken, please continue. <laughs> but but uh, I I thoroughly enjoyed the earlier movies in in the thor series Mm -hmm. but it's just like every movie that comes out he's less and less thor and more chris hemsworth trying to be funny yeah no i mean i'm I'm pretty much with you and i I mean although i haven't talked about the the thor as a whole since ragnarok it's pretty much the same thing for me that it's like i like the avengers movies you know, um, up through even with Infinity War after Ragnarok, I thought that Thor was pretty good with sort of almost a course correction after Ragnarok. But then Endgame brought it way back down where it was like, oh, he's just for fat jokes. And I know some people have tried to retroactively make it like a positive thing. And I'm like, no, no, it was just there for like lame fat jokes. And it like all the stuff you're trying to impute into it was not there. (laughs) It was it was just it was uncomfortable to watch and it wasn't funny. Um, But like uh, (laughs) like like when I picture what I would expect from Thor after Asgard's been destroyed, everything he knows is knows and loves has been killed. You know, like I pictured him going, you know, kind of Skyfather Thor, where, you know, like he sacrifices both of his eyes, ga- gains control over the Odin force, is a true force to be reckoned with and destroys the cycle of Ragnarok. But no, they made him fat and turned him into a punchline. Yeah. So, all right. But he, we're, we're at Thor Love and Thunder now. It's post Endgame. He went off with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, so uh, let's start there because that's sort of the beginning of the movie. Did you expect the because the Guardians are there for the very very beginning and they leave pretty quickly into the movie? Did you think that the Guardians were going to be more of a part of this movie? And did you feel like it was to the detriment of the film that they, you know, they go go pretty early on, or do you think that that was probably a good thing? So um, well, let's just stay with you, Eric McCracken. Um, what do you think about that? I did not expect them to be in the movie very much. Like I, like I pretty much expected them to be a cameo and that's more or less what they were. Right. And the fact that they were pretty sick of Thor and couldn't wait to get away from Thor, uh, (laughs) kind of sets, sets the mood for the rest of the movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, I mean, just looking at Chris Pratt, it was like, he doesn't want to be here. I don't want to be here. Well, to be fair, though, that was set up with Infinity War, where he has real insecurity issues about Thor and thinks that Thor is basically like a cooler him because of the way they made Thor. Thor is basically Star-Lord, like, you know, so like with that same personality, but just with way more power. But the way that they played Thor at the very beginning, where, where they were like, where he was just lame, you know, like uh, he's trying to get, or like they're trying to have that goodbye speech and like, and like Star-Lord's looking at the ship, you know, like, yeah, that's where I want to go. And Thor's like creeping into the picture. It's like, no, no. No, you can't do that. It, it's, it's but Star Lord comes across as the only serious character in the movie. 
It's mm-hmm. a pretty shallow face. I'm just oh, no, well, I mean, I will say Natalie Portman is about seventy-five to eighty percent serious in the movie. Like, yeah, I know. I, I want to get to that part too. So oh, right, right. But yeah, I'm saying yeah. he's not the only one. He, he, but yeah, mostly. Mostly, he when when Chris Pratt has to come across as a serious actor in this, you're going, oh, that's not good. <laughs> it's just not good. <laughs> <laughs> all right so yeah will what did you think about uh the amount of guardians we got did you want more i wanted more i, I didn't expect more but i wanted more especially to understand you know see some more of their avengers as the as guardians of the galaxy you know that whole mm-hmm. little, little joke that we had at the end of that and i it just felt like it was a waste to have them there at all it, it, they were they were not they were almost only scenery I mean, they only just have in the background looking at all the stupid that Thor was doing at that point, and I, I just thought it was a waste, of, waste, a waste of you know, a lot of good talent, just a lot of waste of talent and a lot of waste of opportunity. Okay, um, Ryan, I expected them to be there in the middle in the beginning. I expected them to be gone in the middle and then to come back right in the mm-hmm. end. And, you know, that didn't happen. Um, my thing about uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor was that in, in Endgame, similar to what we were saying about how, you know, uh, Star-Lord versus Thor, but in general, I mean, like, oh, you know, they were all, all of them in all, uh, they were all of them in awe of, of Thor. Or, you know, he's what, what the what, what did Drax said? He had like the body of an angel or something like that. Yeah. Um, he's a pirate, pirate angel yeah. or something. Pirate angel. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, and I mean, he was like uh, something to be admired and looked upon, and even feared. I mean, at the end of Endgame, Star Lord was yeah afraid that Thor was coming to take control and steal the Guardians from mm-hmm. him, you know. And I just feel like that dynamic was com- he was a joke. Thor was a joke uh, to them at the beginning of this, you know. Uh, and I just I didn't care for that dynamic at all. I, I wanted to see them interact. I wanted to see him to be a member of the team mm-hmm. for a little bit. And what we got was just them looking for the first chance to ditch him that they could find. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Eric Ratcliffe. I mean, overall, uh, especially for the, for that opening, the pacing did feel off. But we know there's we know there's a good chunk of stuff that was cut out of this and I, and so i'm kind of curious if there was maybe like more more of the guardians at the opening that made it seem a lot less goofy than what was happening yeah there's a four hour cut out there somewhere people four hours it kind of felt like there was almost like this it, it felt like retreading ground because like we had that very fun opening to ragnarok where you have um where you have Thor going, how did I end up here? And then we're getting the same thing here, but much different and much more to the detriment of the movie. I felt like it it was kind of like retreading retreading ground versus uh versus doing something fun. Cause I mean, I I would have liked to see that play out a little differently and a lot less goofy than what it did. Especially, you know, like we know um we know via Endgame and Infinity War uh, that Rocket, Rocket and Thor had a much stronger relationship, and suddenly it seems like Rocket's ready to like throw Thor out and be like, "Okay, get out of here." It's like, "Okay, wh- wh- what happened there? Why aren't why aren't there? Uh, why isn't this relationship 
like why does it feel much less uh, disconnected now it's it some of it felt very weird and rushed and in force and like i said i guess i would like to see what was cut from the script by the way if we could have a movie of thor the tree and the rabbit i yes. i totally want that movie because yes. that was yes. <laughs> that was great in, in, in infinity war um but and and it's the right dynamic too, I think, of of characters to put together uh, with with that as the base. Um, so, so just quick question before I give my two cents on the Guardians thing: Did anyone think that the screaming goats were funny over maybe like one time you laughed and then it was just annoying from then on? It was annoying every time. There was never a moment it was not annoying. All right, I will say the one time I laughed was when they slammed into the planet. Because that I thought was funny, <laughs> right? That was the only time I. Laughed. I mean, once I gave up all hope, it came became funny. You know <laughs> what? Okay, did it, anybody remind you of the bad running gags and like Master of Disguise and like bad '90s comedy? Let's have the running gag, the Muppets going on, and I was just going, please, please stop, <laughs> please, please stop. Okay, but but see, here's here's the thing. Like, I, I hate the fact that the preview spoiled like thor's like talking with chris pratt and chris pratt basically telling him like you know it was obviously like a i'm leaving scene and while that could have happened at any point in the in the in the movie and i didn't expect it to be that early it basically told me oh the guardians are only here for like the beginning and then they're going to be gone i hated that that was spoiled but yeah i think i would have preferred uh just seeing their dynamic a lot more and more of just like an extension from how it had been in infinity war you know because most of them were dead in endgame you know so it's like there wasn't a whole lot of development on that score in endgame and i would have liked to have seen more of that but i think that's part of the problem is like nobody's able that that's that was writing for this movie was able to follow on from the russos who uh might be a better quality of writer but um anyway The goats, the goats have actual personalities in the comics, and that was heavily oh. missing from uh, from here. Not only that, but the the goats aren't the only ones that exist. There is a dog named Thori. He's uh, most he's basically Thor's Cerberus. He's he's mm. amazing. He can talk. He's badass, and he was severely missing from this film. He would have been a much stronger choice than the goats because he is the loyal best boy that you can ever hope for. <laughs> and he's he's heavily from those Jason Aaron run that they pulled a lot of this stuff out of. And I'm surprised he didn't make it into the film. Mm. Okay, well, now we're going to... I, I want to go somewhere... Um, I, I, I want to leave discussion of the end of the movie for the end of this podcast, but now we're going to go to what I consider sort of the heart of the movie, which is interesting because I think it's funny, Will, that you said that Ragnarok had more heart. And I felt like Ragnarok undercut any kind of emotion other than you. Like, oh, Asgard's destroyed before we can like even feel anything about that. We've got Korg saying, oh, but the foundations are strong and then blow up. Oh, nope, I guess I was wrong. <laughs> you know, and it's like, there was no emotion anywhere in that movie other than laughter. It was it was laughter to laughter. <laughs> no, I, dis- I disagree because of the death of Odin. Ah, uh, fair enough. There was, you're all right. There, there was a moment. The death of o- Odin was a pretty big, and then some of the stuff happening with, you know, Hela and some of that there was some a lot of heart, heartfelt moments there i mean 
I agree. You know, it's it's still the same way. It's ninety percent no heart, but that that ten percent was really important there. I think it, my problem is with love and, uh, with love and thunder is that it missed its chance to have a lot of heart. Well, because here's the thing. To me, like, the heart of the movie was the Jane story. And he didn't do it well. And, and Natalie Portman, I was like, oh, this is why Natalie Portman... So I was like, how in the world did Taika Waititi get Natalie Portman back when with what he's done with the Thor franchise? And I was like, oh, every actor wants to do a death scene. Every actor wants to do a death scene. That's... She killed the character she hated. She right. killed the character she hated. She hated... <laughs> She Harrison Ford. She has complained about this character since her first appearance in Thor One, mm-hmm. and so she has hated this. She's hated being part of the franchise. She got to Harrison Ford it just like he did with Han Solo. He got she got to come in, kill it, and walk off. So right, and go. it was hilarious because of all the people who were like, "They're going to replace Chris Hemsworth with Natalie Portman," and I'm just scratching my head, going like. Because I could see them doing that, yeah. but I was like, "But how would she agree to it?" Like, you know, like I don't. She never agreed to I it. Don't see how. So, so yeah, like then suddenly it's like, okay, this makes a lot more sense because I, I, I never thought in a million years they would introduce her as Thor, only to kill her in the movie that they introduce her as Thor. Because I'm like, that whole concept like means so much to people of Thor being a woman. Yeah, you know, like with the Jane Foster Thor. I thought they handled that brilliant. There's so many, yeah, and it's just like that's 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 crazy. But but I thought Natalie Portman brought some real emotion to that, to the like considering her death. My problem was was it was way too short. Yes. Um yes. that it was like, I mean, obviously they weren't gonna get her to agree to do a Disney Plus series, but I almost feel like they should have established her as Thor in a Disney Plus series. So let us see her. Given her time to yep. do that, and then brought her into the Thor movie for the death. Yep. You know, and that would have like actually had a lot more impact. But I do still feel that there was heart in this movie, and she was the one bringing it. She was the only one that had any concept of having heart in the film and any connection going on. And I'm not knocking away from her on that. I'm just saying the fact that they played cancer cheap, and it Mm. just made me so mad. You know, like I felt more of an emotional connection to Sif losing her arm yes, than, yep. than Natalie Portman dying. <laughs> I will say this, though. I was disappointed that that's all. We- I mean, I realized there was the cameo at the end with Sif, but I was really... De- it's like, you brought Jamie Alexander back, and that's all? Like, that's all? For the for the sole purpose of getting people to stop asking them what they, happened to her. They still didn't answer that question. But then, then they brought in the Warriors 3 for... A blip four seconds to kill them again yeah like killing them badly the first time wasn't enough they had to subject us to that again let's not get started on that hey hey hey, hey mccracken don't get me started on balder <laughs> sir not appearing in this franchise sir not appearing in this franchise Balder, who's so important to Thor the myth Thor. and Thor the character in the comics, is just like, we're just gonna ignore Balder. We did Ragnarok without Balder, and it's like Ragnarok starts when Balder dies. That is the myth, that is the story. How do you do Ragnarok? Oh god, anyway. Um, anyway. <laughs> but yeah, I was mad when they killed them unceremoniously the first time, but then they did it again and played it as a joke. And, yeah. and like and this guy died, and this guy died, and this, and this guy died. Mm. Yeah, no, I mean that that wasn't that wasn't great. Um, um, so 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 Eric McCarthy, before I move on, like why 
like like did you just feel that like she was it the story or was it the performance that you think was a problem with you with with jane uh not so much the performance i mean she did the best she could with what she was given Mm -hmm. it was the fact that her death was telegraphed from almost her first scene in the movie you knew it was coming you knew that they were going to use it to try to play your heartstrings and it like it was a a cop-out yeah or uh like everything else in the movie (laughs) like they did it because they were because they expected you to have the reaction to it but with it telegraphed so far in advance that and their entire relationship on screen for the for the duration of the movie was played as a joke. All right, well, hold on a second though. Hold on a second though. She's had a long run in the comics with cancer and not died, so that was the thing. I did not expect her to die in this movie because I was like, why would they introduce her in the same movie that they killed? I mean, that was the thing that kept playing in the back of my head because I'm like, in the comics. This whole thing about her having cancer when she detransforms has, has always been, you know, has been part of her character since she had the hammer. So I was like that that I just thought that was going to be the running thing of her dying a little bit every time she, you know, goes out there. Um, so I, I I didn't expect it, um, actually. Uh, so I did. Okay. But but but, but also, you know, like kind of like what I said with them being a joke, you know, like every time they started to build a little bit of an emotional connection between the Thors, uh, they had to do another stupid joke about uh, uh, Thor's axe being jealous of the hammer. Yeah. Or it, it, <laughs> that was Beth's favorite part. <laughs> or. Or another joke like, oh no, you left. No, you left. That's why I left the note. And, well, yeah, and- it was the romantic. There was it was a romantic comedy, was what they right. were doing. This is their attempt at a rom com. Right. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna correct you. They were attempting to do a rom com, but it was neither romantic nor funny. <laughs> I will say I did find the thing with with um, Stormbringer being jealous of the owner probably the funniest part of the movie, but that's just me. Uh, of all the gag, if you're gonna have a running gag, that was the running gag. That right. I mean, but Beth just loves like uh, inanimate objects with personality, so that was her favorite part. Like she loves the cloak of levitation. That's like her favorite character in Doctor Strange is the cloak. Um, so, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Eric Ratcliffe, you've been trying to speak here. So uh, so what are your what's your impression of all this so for the for the proper context as you as you as you brought up and it once again it is to the detriment of the movie i at the end of the day i will preface this by saying i do like the movie i do not find it a perfect movie i would actually it's it's in my top 10 but probably nine or 10 when it comes to the mcu rankings which multiverse is 15 just throwing that out there but um but um for proper context, as you brought up, is the fact that, yes, the plot line of the fact that the, the hammer is basically being tr- being as, a, as almost like an analog for addiction, right. because every single time she's picking that up, it's slowly killing her, is ripped right out of the Jason Aaron run. The detriment, and the reason I say detriment, is the fact that they completely 
almost play it off for laughs instead of playing it for serious, which I'm sure is a lot of what was cut from the film. I'm sure somebody went, oh, this is too dark. Like I have that hunch that they probably actually like went into the into the cancer a lot more from from a lot of what was cut out. Like it would not surprise me. I don't know what's happening behind the scenes in Marvel, and none of you were on the Multiverse of Madness podcast, but we talked about how there's some sort of an editing problem going on, and now that we have a second movie where we're hearing about how there was so much material cut, I'm uh, there's something wrong at Marvel, because before this, they were doing like two and a half hour, two hour, 45 minute movies. No yep. one was complaining. No, no, I don't recall ever hearing anyone say the Marvel movies are too long. That is never a complaint. Somebody was complaining. Oh, okay. But uh, it would get into conspiracy theories if I bring it up. I, if I if I mention two, if I ne- well, mention the, one well, name. The, the theaters were probably the only ones complaining because they can crank more movies. They can put more movies in a day yeah. if it's shorter, <laughs> and they can be like get nope. more ticket sales. Nope. But all, all um, I have to do is mention one name. <laughs> James Cameron. Oh well, yeah. Uh, nah, but, uh, oh, come nah. on. The, do we really think the whole Avatar two story, where he's complaining about people talking about how how they're handling the way they're watching movies nowadays, you think that's unrelated? They're both Disney. I'm just throwing that out there. He and Roger Corman can disappear up each other's Please. rear end. Oh, I agree. But anyway, I agree. I'm just, yeah, I, I'm just and saying. Martin I really don't think that's too, but, um, I, I really don't think that's unconnected. I really think some executive at Disney is going, "Oh, James Cameron is right." No, don't listen to James Cameron. Do not listen to James Cameron. Because I think Cameron. it's hurt both of these movies. I think that Multiverse of Madness, I think that there's like probably like a two hour and 45 minute version of Multiverse of Madness that, that would have sense. helped immensely with all <laughs> the things that people have problems with as far as like development of characters and explanations for things that are going on. And it's probably the same with Love and Thunder. There's probably a much better version of this movie. Not four hours, obviously, but they always cut material. I mean, they cut material with the ones we got before. It just wasn't so much that it made the movie feel like you had whiplash. Plus, it was rushed. I mean, it, uh, yeah, these last, these last I, couple, these last couple of Marvel films have been rushed. Well, I mean, it's okay to say. I mean, even I mean, outside of Spider-Man, which they, I mean, they let play on forever in a good way. I mean, I, I love it. Yep. But these last two have been so rushed. Yeah, see, Sony gets a say in Spider-Man, though, so Sony might have argued for the longer runtime. Right, because yeah. more more screen time for the hero. But I'm saying with this one, just it's so rushed. Yeah. Uh, so, Ryan, what are your thoughts on Jane in this movie? Uh, I guess I'm in the minority here. I actually thought they, for a comic book superhero movie, they did pretty good um, with with telling her her story and everything. Because I mean. I, I think about the time, yeah, take the opening scene where she's literally getting getting chemo with uh, with that boy in the chair next to her. I mean, I th- maybe this would have been a little too macabre or whatever, but the only thing I would have done differently uh, with regards to her struggle with cancer is well, two things. Um, and this would also be in keeping with the comics, is I would have liked to have seen her like losing her hair uh, mm-hmm. since she is taking chemo. And they, you know, they emaciated Robert Downey. Uh, for um, the beginning of Endgame, mm-hmm. they could have done something like that with her as well. They um, did. I mean, or is that just Natalie Portman? I can't tell. No, that's some, that's oh, some see, I didn't think that she was that emaciated. Now they did CGI her with muscles. And Because yeah. there are the pictures now of her with the dots all over her right, arms. Because like, right. at first I was like, did she work out that much? And it's like, no, that's CGI. But she was practically gray at the end, though, from yeah. the emaciation. I mean, she was. It, it, she looked pretty rough. 
Yeah. But I mean, I felt like they handled her, her, the, the only thing I didn't like about it, honestly, was uh, the fact that, oh, she's an astrophysicist, therefore she can cure cancer. But that's a whole nother. Yeah, uh, no, no, no. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. But that's, that's every comic book movie. If you're a scientist, you're all science. Yeah. You know, you don't have yeah. a special, it's like, yeah, the astrophysicist is, is into the, knows all the medical stuff. But all yeah. right. So, yeah, I mean, uh, so you're saying you're the dissenting opinion, but here's the thing with the caveats of the runtime of the movie and that she must die by the end of the movie. I think they did a good job. As long as those kids, I would have changed those two things, though. Like I would have I would have made the movie longer and I wouldn't have had her die in the story that introduces her because I think that we would have gotten a lot more payoff from that. But I think for those two caveats, she did a good job and I think they did as good a job as they could of introducing the concept and you know, playing it to a point where you could feel it, you know, they gave her that ending scene where she had to choose, was she going to stay in the hospital yeah. or not? And she ends up choosing to help knowing it will kill her. And so she gets the heroic end. So I, I, you know, I appreciated that. Yeah. I, you know, my, my real quick responses to that are one, I, I feel like in general, the movie was two movies shoved together. You had mm-hmm. the gore storyline and then you had the Jane storyline and they just tried to, and sometimes you can make that, that marriage work and sometimes you can't. And I feel like here it just, it didn't, it didn't necessarily mesh too well. It felt, felt a little bit too forced. Well, they also just, yeah. So when you, you force the gore storyline into there, they just kept taking away from her sacrifice. Yeah, absolutely. So, but you know, you, you need that antagonist. No, but, you um, do. No doubt, you do. I'm not. I'm not saying that. But that's another part in a minute. <laughs> yeah. But it's, but it's like you know, you point out, Nathan. The only way they got Natalie Portman to sign up for this, most likely, is by her dying. So it was a given that she had to die on it. Right, which is why I would say longer runtime. Then, if, yeah. you, if you only get yeah. her for one movie, I wanted it to be a longer movie. So I think they right. could have played it out a little bit better. Yeah, and and my last thought on on the whole Jane storyline uh, dealing with cancer is, and I really debated even if I even wanted to mention this, but like I kind of have a weird sort of meta theory going on here that they are cushioning, you know, Feige, the MCU as a whole, they're cushioning us for um, Black Panther for losing uh, Chadwick. Mm. Um, and they're saying, hey, cancer is real in the MCU. Because because this is the first death we've had that wasn't, you know, like cosmic in relation or, or, or something, uh, you know, villain villainous. This was just, this is something that people die of all the time. This is something that's real and affects everyone. And so I, I still think that, you know, going into, uh, you know, Black Panther, uh, Wakanda Forever, that ideally I think they should handle, you know, uh, T'Challa's passing from natural, you know, not not natural, but you know, from human uh, uh, origins, and I think this was maybe a setup for that. For I, I think they should just say T'Challa's on the moon and not even <laughs> say that he's dead, because that's what they did with Steve. Hang out, Fury. Steve is on the moon. <laughs> yeah. T'Challa's on the moon. It's a Black Panther movie, <laughs> so that might be a little bit harder. <laughs> well, no, I'm saying in in Wakanda in, Forever, they can say oh. T'Challa's on the moon. That's yeah. what I thought they think that they should handle it. I don't <laughs> think they should say he's dead. You know, I, 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 cause I hope that they recast eventually. I, I don't like the idea of saying that he's dead. I want, I yeah. want T'Challa back in the MCU. They just give it a little time. You know? I agree. They should have recast, but 
since they said they weren't going to, I feel like they need to. Those kinds of opinions can change, though. That's why I'm saying yeah. just skip this movie, do another movie later that has a new actor playing. Because I don't think even Chadwick Boseman would have wanted them to he like. He would not like, have wanted them. Right. Like, I think he would have wanted them to continue T'Challa. And there are other great actors of color out there. And that's the thing. No if argument. you say that they just needed some time, then that's fine. You know, like give the, give it a little time. But then don't yeah. do a Black Panther movie. Do a Wakanda forever. You know, do it like they're doing. Do it. Do a Wakanda movie. Yeah. So I'm I'm hoping that they don't say that T'Challa is dead. That is my hope. But I suspect you're right. But I that is my hope that they're not going to say that he's dead. All right, Gore. Let's talk about Gore since he's the other major like sort of elements of the movie. Um, uh, Will, why don't you start us off on this one? Can I say, okay, one, I'm a huge Christian Bale fan, so yeah. it was enjoyable. I hate when they get the great actors and bring them off for one-note one note characters. Um, <laughs> Christopher <I> think, Eccleston. <clears throat> yes, yeah, exactly. Eccleston, well, I mean, we could just keep going. I mean, just so many great actors that you've just like, Mills Nicholson. Uh, I'm just saying this franchise may have been known for doing this already. <laughs> yes. So, uh, again, do you have a, a, a they almost made him too sympathetic, especially when you introduce all the other gods throughout the rest of the movie. You're going, he's got a point. He's, yeah, they're all he, awful. I mean, like, none of them are like, oh, stand up guy or right. even like even like Odin was always portrayed as like being like, you know, this guy that was worthy of being the leader of Asgard and everything. Right. But it's like, oh, no, every other god out there, they're all horrible, like the worst. Horrible. <laughs> yeah, the, the entire the entire pantheon of the Greeks is god awful. You know, just stay away from him. And everybody else is, treats their people like scum. And I'm going. Gore, keep going. You know, I think we should see more death. I mean, <laughs> more of the God Butcher out there doing some of his stuff. I thought that. I think that that was one aspect. I wish they'd have given us a little more of his build up. I love seeing you know what happened, but I think they almost made him too sympathetic. Mm. Okay, um, Bell did great though with what he had. So, yeah, Brian. Um, I feel. I mean, <sighs> Christian Bale. Yeah, Christian Bale's Christian Bale. He's gonna. He's going to act to death, whatever role he's cast. And, and yeah, it was, it was basically Malekith 2.0, you know, uh, insofar as wasting uh, yeah. of a good talent, it literally to the point where it's like from a color, you know, color palette wise, it's like kind of the opposite direction. We went from dark elves to, you know, um, white, white demon guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I do feel like, uh, I mean, Gore's singular purpose was to be the antagonist in this film and, and Christian Bale played it up, but I do feel like, yeah, again, speaking to, oh, the gods deserve this or whatever. And I feel like this plays into kind of what was one of the structural flaws with this film is, you know, it's if Earth is threatened, if the universe is threatened, it's, I can get behind this. I can get behind, okay, we've got to, you know, we've got to do this. But I mean, so far, really, Thor and and is about the only likable god that we've seen in the MCU. This movie came across as like, well, Odin, but was Odin? But I mean, Odin was the evil. energy after Ragnarok is Ragnar is after Ragnarok. Is he so likable? Yeah, well, that's true. Oh, I mean, fair enough. Yeah, before Ragnarok, though, definitely. Well, no, before yeah. Ragnarok, he's he's the hero of Asgard. He's the hero of the Nine Realms. Mm -hmm. But after Ragnarok, destroys that. I mean, it's, at it's, some point in time, and at least in human history, I'm going to assume this is universally true of all the gods. The gods pulled back away from mortal life i mean the the you know odin and asgard used to protect earth they protected it from the frost giants you know um so but then they decided you know screw you guys you're on your own so in, in a way the, the movie had no stakes for me i mean i didn't want thor to die so it, it literally came across like um 
like good billionaires. It's like, hey, it was, it's like it's like Bill Gates and and Warren Buffett teaming up to save, you know, uh, 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 Jeff Bezos. Why do I care about that? <laughs> you know, I, it just I have zero stake in it. They literally had to make a threat to kids. They literally had to say, yes. I think I think they made a writing <laughs> choice. Like no one's going to care about this. We're going to have to threaten kids. That's the only <laughs> way that you know the audience is going to have any sort of emotional investment in this. Well, and like the most ridiculous thing is this is almost like the typical CW problem of if people would just have a conversation with each other, like the entire thing could have been avoided. Because if Gore had just explained to Thor, you know, hey, you know, I want to make a wish and make it a positive wish, you know, instead of like, I want to get rid of all the gods, Thor would have been like, sure, buddy, I will give you my hammer to like get the hole in the thing and make the wish, you know, and it's like, well, bringing your daughter back fixes. So we don't have to fight and not kill a bunch of children and as guardians. Oh, that's all. Oh, let's go get your daughter back, man. Come on. That's something we can do. Well, I mean, Gore had no reason to think Thor would cooperate or, or help him. I know he's been corrupted by the sword or whatever. Well, and just his experience, you know, yeah. And and in all again, Thor seems to be the exception. When look at look at you know Zeus and all the others, it doesn't. There is not a likable god out there that we've seen. Sif, wait, <sighs> <laughs> you better not speak ill of, of Jamie Alexander. She's been the I'm one not. great thing about like all like the Thor stuff. Like when she showed up in Agents of Shield, it was great. You know, like she was great in the movie she was in. Loki. <laughs> I agree. But again, I mean, you know, where, where she been? So how likable can she be? She hasn't been doing anything. <laughs> and, you know, I, I will say about Sif, uh, since we t- mentioned her earlier, is I wish they had ended the movie with her cameo with Valkyrie coming out to spar with her Thank and then kind of hinted at something going on or maybe the possibility of something going on. Between All right, but, the but two I'll say this. I'll say this in Sif's defense. We know that Loki was scared of having Thor on Asgard. So while he was pretending to be Lo- Odin, he was sending Thor on missions, you know, and sending him. I bet he did the same thing with Sif. So Sif's story in yeah. Ragnarok was probably Heimdall, send me the Bifrost. Because she had probably been sent on a mission by the fake Odin. Heimdall, yeah. send me the Bifrost. And nothing ever happened. <laughs> Guys! You know? you know. <laughs> she was stuck wherever she was. So I think that was Sif's story. So anyway, I, I-, I wanted to defend her. But... <laughs> Uh, all right, so Eric Ratcliffe, what do you think about Gore? I mean, it's it's Christian Bale. What? Who can say uh, other than you know the one notorious freakout that he's had on a, on a set? Who can say anything truly bad about any performance that man gives? That man gives a hundred and fifty, two hundred and fifty percent. He's he's always he goes from zero to a hundred real quick, and I mean that. Well, while Thor's opening introduction in this felt like a detriment, I thought uh, Gore's introduction in the film and the way the film actually starts, I thought that was a really strong start because like none of us, none of us knew that was going to be how this movie started. And it's like, oh, that's that's interesting. And it would have been really cool to see more of that, especially with how dark it went. Interesting note about the lore of that sword um, that has a direct tie to the symbiotes. Right now, I know. I, 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 I hate everything they've done with the symbiotes in comics since the 2000s. <laughs> King of symbiotes or god of symbiotes. I just, I just wanted to touch on that real fast because the other thing I want to say connected to, connected to Gore is the fact that like the very second the Celestials were introduced, I knew we were going to get into some of the crazier 
higher end cosmic stuff eventually, you know, with, uh, with, um, uh, obviously jeff goldblum's character and you know some of some of those higher echelon um cosmic entities except they nerfed him he's just a guy he's not like no 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 but i I don't like finish please can i finish please yeah he's not the one i'm talking about if you if you had told me guardians volume one if you had told me at that point that i would have been seeing eternity in live action that was the thing i wanted to say for the end Oh, my bad. I was going to say, I would have called you crazy, though. Right. I, I would have flat out been like, that's never happening. We are like, we are two steps away from both Galactus and the Beyonder at this point, because we are getting so many of these crazy high end concepts of of the higher echelon of the Mar- oh, I, Marvel. I think with the FF about to have a movie, Galactus is a sure thing. Maybe not in the first one, but by the second one, we're going to have a Galactus. Hey, maybe what you're you know, alluding to, we may not have a you know, every film is connected bad guy, but mm-hmm. I think they're building to a, a, a galactic a galactic level event. I mean, you, Oh yeah. You, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. I think that's where they're headed. And I don't think we've seen last of eternity either. Cause I think, yeah. I think we might no. see more payoff there in the long run. Okay. There's way too much lore attached to eternity to, to just go, okay, that's it. See you later. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I expect you're right there, but um, Eric, what do you think about Gore or McCracken? Sorry. Uh, I mean, Christian Bale's a great actor. I think he was criminally underused in this movie based solely on the fact that the character's name is Gore the God Butcher. But in this movie, Thor kills more gods than he does. <laughs> yep. I mean, you're not wrong. Not wrong. <laughs> yeah, I've heard a lot of people complaining that he should have killed a lot more gods in the movie. and. Now- there probably should have been something. I like mean, that. would you not have liked to seen him, uh, a scene with him on Omnipotent City? Well, my issue is that we're kind of like the MCU has always nerfed the power uh, until until Eternals. The MCU has always nerfed the ba- the power level of cosmic beings, and so the gods in the MCU die anyway. Mm-hmm. Like none of them is immortal, you know, in the sense of like nothing can kill them other than like something like the Infinity Gauntlet. So, like, the fact that there's a sword that kills gods, I'm kind of like, I mean, Odin just died, like, a movie ago. Like, it's not like gods don't die, you know? So, it's just kind of like, I mean, I get that it's easier, you know? Like, he could do it quickly, and it lets him teleport or whatever, but, you know. But also, like... While I liked Bale, and I liked liked Gore, uh, like, they made Gore a sympathetic character, which, Mm -hmm. if you've read the comics, he there's nothing redeeming about the guy and like there, like there's that and the fact that the mcu has kind of gone out of their way to stress that thor and the asgardians are not gods but yet thor the god butcher is interested in them he goes after the asgardian children and the only asgardian you've ever seen bleed that gold stuff that apparently all gods bleed is odin none of like you've seen thor bleed he bleeds red Mm. it's like i like i like i want them to use the character but i want them to use the character properly use it in a story where it makes sense to use him like like it's just like they oh who's a good thor villain oh well let's throw gore in there and then write the story afterwards It, it 
Like, well, yeah, and I think honestly, because I mean, I get why they like to have their villains be or to have like some sort of justification. But in a movie, what was supposed to be about Jane's story, and that was where the right. heart should have been. Having yep. a villain who is like a just all out like psychotic right. evil villain wouldn't have been, and it actually would have been interesting to see Bale's performance. You know, doing yeah, just like an out and out, like you know, like but, I hate gods, I'm gonna kill them all, kind of thing. But um, but honestly, what you know, kind of going along with your theme of of you know, give Jane more than one movie, they could have done something like uh, Absorbing Man or somebody that's coming directly after the Hammer, and since that's linked to her life, you know, there's where there you go, yeah, where, where the uh, the tension is coming from, you know, like throwing gore out there was like going like zero to a thousand right away. They could have taken so many more steps to make a much more enjoyable movie, but instead they grabbed a big name and hoped the name would carry them. And they didn't write the story to prop up what the villain was capable of. Would you say gore the God butcher is that big of a name though? I mean, I consider myself a good fan, but it's not like a, he was a, he's a newer character, but yeah, that is what he's called. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. Or not big as in well known. Big as in an actual threat. Okay, okay. Sorry, I just want to make sure. Yeah. Um. So my my point of view on this is that see, I kind of still like what the MCU was doing on the macro level, which is why I kind of laugh at people who say like, "Oh, there's no like thread to the MCU anymore." Because I feel like what they've done is they've laying like three or four threads, and mm-hmm. that's the thing. I think everybody wants there to be a Thanos at the end, but it's like with as many Disney Plus shows and as many movies as they're doing, there can never be one thing that every movie and every show goes to like a pyramid. Yeah. They've got to have two or three, and certain clumps of characters will come together for each of those things. Yeah, but you, the counter argument is also good, though, is that the one thing that made the MCU as good as it was is that it did culminate. Well, and but so, the um, thing is, there will still be like characters will jump from one group to the other over time, so we will cross pollinate. No, but, no, but I'm saying that that when you watch all when the, the reward, the big payoff for for Phase One, Two, and Three is Infinity War and Endgame, and so it's like this huge seminal event. People still want that. I don't say I'm not saying it's bad that they're going to have multiple storylines. I'm saying I can understand people complaining that they don't have that singular storyline anymore. Because when I look at this in the light of Moon Knight, uh, it's kind of interesting, like what's going on with how the MCU is setting up the gods as being like almost unilaterally an evil force Um, that they are, you know, like like both both uncaring Mm-hmm. and uh and and hostile um when when you know interacted with you know and so it's sort of it's interesting that i think that that wasn't an accident i mean it could be coincidence that the writers from moon knight took that tack but that seems to me like a high level feige decision yeah. that there's a there's a story here that's going to come from this um so and i think that's going to be linked i would normally agree with you nathan but the only thing that makes me wonder, honestly, if there if communication is breaking down in all these movies, is in this movie in, in uh, Love and Thunder was the scene where um, they're they're escaping the God City or whatever it's called, and you see Celestials just hanging around yeah. like they've been watching this, and uh, to me that literally undid all the work that the Eternals did Thank to you. build them up. Why? Because well, the Eternals are always are the Celestials are always in the background when the gods are hanging out together. This is like a comics thing going way back. But why can't they observe? 
Because what, what they're going to observe the orgy, the oncoming orgy that they were. About. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, also the line, I mean, the throwaway line that Thor agrees to, and I know they play it for a joke, is that let's talk about the the sacrifice. So what God had the most sacrifices this year? And Thor's like, yeah, that's not. A, it, it, this isn't such a great place after all. It's like you know that your past is bad, and that's not that's not what we know. That is not until until Ragnarok. We thought the Asgardians oh, were the I'm good not guys. saying that the writers for Love and Thunder handled it well, but I think that there is something like there's a thread here that that they that they that was deliberate. Um, I would have, I honestly would have liked it to help this film out. Would be a what happened to the gods during the blip? Were they and none of these people impacted it all? Something to I I, you know, I hate to say it, but humanize them a little bit because I'm wondering if just, that was one of the things that was cut because it did seem very strange to me that there was no mention of the blip in the movie also yeah right and and to get to because we like don't even fit. know if jane was blipped was right. jane present for because she and thor each need a different number of years for how long it had been and i was yes. like wait a minute was jane blipped was so it was jane shorter blipped? for her than it was for him right like, but we never yeah. got an explanation on that or whether it was just she didn't feel it as bad as he did yeah, the, the only explanation we ever get about where she is is during was it avengers right that he says that we've we've got her at a safe place, and that's the last time. Yeah, it was Age of Ultron was the last time we yeah they were a couple still, even though she didn't appear in Age of Ultron. He mentions that, yeah. But but uh, but also you know like kind of talking to Thor's dark past and whatnot, like when he's giving the speech after the kids are kidnapped, and and he's like, we're gonna go out, and we're gonna rescue the kids, and then we'll feast, and then he's like. Not feasting on the kids. We don't do that anymore. That was I don't times. understand who thought that was a good line. Like that right? was like, but, oh god. But but, yeah. but 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 that's just another drop in the bucket of of complaints I have with the mm -hmm. movie is trying to be funny and fails on all cylinders. Yeah. Well, the first half of the movie was weird to me because other than the bail scene at the very beginning, it felt like for the whole her first half of the movie nobody like it's almost like they got their script just before they started shooting like everybody's kind right. of talking and like this weird like way like where they're just like i don't know what's going on but i'm gonna say these words and and it got better towards the end so i'm wondering <laughs> i'm wondering if the end was shot first maybe and they actually had that written and then they were doing the earlier scenes later in the show i don't know what was going on but it felt to me like there's a very distinct like amount of a non-acting in the beginning where they just don't know what they're doing and then suddenly they are acting even though I, I don't necessarily like everything that's happening it's like at least the performances seem to be doing a lot better um well even russell crowe and you know he's not been perfect lately or anything like that but he a solid actor what was with the accent what was with the bad <laughs> he was Italian? doing a greek accent right but it didn't. It came across as a bad Italian. I mean, it didn't even. Right. It just didn't work. I read they filmed it both ways. They filmed it with him having a British accent and him doing a Greek accent, and then they decided he and uh, uh, Takai uh, decided that the Greek accent was the way to go. That that was the the. I think it was actually Crow's idea to try to film it uh, the dialogue a second time with the Greek accent. Yeah, I don't care about that. Like other people, I've heard other people complain. Like that by far was not like a complaint yeah. for me. It's like he's trying to be authentic. No, but his lines were. I don't care about him pretending to be Greek. I don't give a damn oh. about that. I'm talking about the fact that it made him such a joke. Zeus was this just. It was this running gag that, again. This running gag that the gods are stupid. Yeah, I get it. But here's Zeus, who's 
No. Right. Why do we care about this sword when Zeus's own right. lightning bolt? <laughs> I just grabbed the lightning bolt. Oh, I killed Zeus. <laughs> that, that and, you know, Zeus is supposed to be a sky father tier deity. Yeah. You know, you know, like arguably stronger than Odin. Right. So, the, the, though, though I think they fought a few times and maybe Odin won more. I don't know. But he's supposed to be ultra powerful, but he just, but the way they presented him, he's. A joke. Like, he's, like, he's, he's, he's Thor in um, Endgame. He's fat. He's you know, in a purposely out of shape. He, he, he appears to be drinking. I mean, it, yeah. Everything in the God City was a joke. They even had like a uh, god of like, what was it? Like uh, pot stickers or something. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, was I the only one in, like out of everybody who's seen this that was uncomfortable with how many times they said the word orgy in five minutes? <laughs> Right. I mean, I just felt like that was authentic. That part was probably the most authentic for the Greek pantheon sure. than anything that like they that they did. And then, like five minutes later, they're like, "Okay, Thor's naked now," and everybody's yeah. fainting, and it's like, "Okay, that was funny." Okay, that was so that, but, yeah, but that's was... that's like such child humor. I mean, like I, I and that was also another thing that they showed in the commercials so many times that it was just like, "Okay, I know this is coming." So that was kind of like, yeah. But I mean, if we're gonna have eye candy, I mean, look, female eye candy is fine in the movie. If we're, you know, every time Scarlett Johansson, you know, posed. <laughs> in an Avengers movie or whatever, it was some sort of eye candy for guys. So why not? I, I thought it was hilarious the way they handled it. Like, yes, I know I'm amazing and the perfect male. None of you will ever stand up to me. I thought that was, I mean, that's Chris Hemsworth. I thought that was okay. And it's just like, like, okay, if that's where they're going for the humor, uh, when is the potty humor and the fart jokes coming? No, I'm surprised we didn't get one. I, I was about to say, <laughs> weren't there some? It felt like there were, you know. I'm waiting for Kevin Smith's uh, version of Marvel, a Marvel film to come out now. So, all right. Um, so yeah, I I was all right. So you guys have kind of thrown me for a loop here because I actually expected like some of you to be like, oh god, I love this movie. It was so funny, and so. You can- <laughs> I'm in a place now where it's like, oh wow, okay. Hey, um, I mean, to be, I'm not saying that, but to be fair, I can say I love this movie it's so funny and still say it was a bad movie. I mean, that's kind of my feeling about Howard the Duck. So you know, it's a good bad movie. It's a good. <laughs> no, I, I, my, I sent my daughter and my son to go see it after we did, and it was this week. My 17 year old, my 12 year, my 17 year old came home. He hated it because he he grew up with the traditional MCU. My 12 year old thought it was the best thing ever. She loved it. Mm-hmm. She thought it was hilarious. She loved the humor. She loved the kids. I told her, I said, this is a descendant slash tween Marvel film. This is what they're, and I, I don't know, I, I, you're talking about agendas. Does anyone else feel like kids are being pushed on us on every front? <laughs> I'm serious. Think about every MCU, everything here lately MCU, America Chavez, you name it. Uh, oh, well, Marvel. yeah, I mean, that's, that, I mean, they're, yeah, they're, they're setting up Young Avengers. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but too, but a little too forcibly. I mean, every, oh, every, I every, agree. I agree. I think we're skipping a huge chunk of time between the sixties and the zeros as far as comic characters. And I'm right. like, can we do the new warriors first? I mean, come on. I, come I don't, on. yeah, I, I just, yeah. Anyway. And like the real new warriors, not squirrel girl. I'm talking about the Night Thrasher, Nova, Namorita. I get that Namor has to be introduced first. Uh, Marvel Boy slash Justice, um, Firestar, 
you know, those, those new warriors. That's that's what I want. Speedball, speedball. God, I can't believe I almost forgot speedball. Um, I mean, but but like, honestly, the funniest part of the whole movie, I thought, was the fact that the key to eternity was a weapon that had been forged about a year ago. <laughs> That was the funniest part of the whole movie. No, no, no. It was the Bifrost, which existed before that. You know, yeah, like it the, was it was just that the Stormbringer now has the power of Bifrost. But Bay or but Gore wasn't looking for the Bifrost. He was looking for the axe. Because the axe was... He had that little drawing. He had that little drawing of the axe in, mm. in his camp. Yeah. Not, you know, like not not the Bifrost. He wasn't looking for Heimdall's sword. He wanted Thor's axe that is less than a year old. Well, no, that's not. It's, it's older than that. You got to remember there's that five year time jump between Infinity War and Endgame. So it's like closer to like six or seven years old. Okay, Gore was blipped. Okay, that's something else we will learn. Gore was on his pursuit for Well, no, no, no. Was it, blipped, it was a prophecy. Know? It was a prophecy. Somehow he got a prophecy that told him right. that this thing would come. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're dealing with gods here, right? Prophecy's not. Prophecy, out of prophecy, yep. <laughs> no, it's not. But have you noticed that? Okay, all right. I want to get to something in. Within the MCU, and I'm not saying within the comics, because we know we see frailty, we see death, that you know, the humans die, things like this. But they were able to pull an Infinity Stone out of Jane and save her life in Thor 2. You tell me they have Guardians on Cure to Cancer? It didn't make sense to well, me. Well, yeah, well, okay. All right, all right. If we follow that logic, if you know there's a being out there that will accept one wish, why did we, like, do the whole time travel thing to get people back at Endgame? Like, why... <laughs> well, do well. Do you really want a happy ending? Like the, like respectfully. Like, do you really want them to be like, oh, look, we magically have a cure for cancer? What that that rips no, away no, anything? No, no, I'm, well, you no. Okay, right. no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the fact that you introduced her going after Thor's hammer, and you, you, and, and what we've seen of the MCU is what what it can do. I'm talking about it's a disjoint to say. Well, they can't also cure cancer. I'm not looking for a happy ending. I'm saying it, you build up these false expectations that what science, you know, our, our magic is nothing but what's, you know, your scientist, you, blah, 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 all that. You, it, it's this mystic. Now it's, we're trying to go back to the mystical, kind of like the Bifrost. At the end of Thor, the Bifrost bridge was broken and it took dark magics to get it to work again. Now it just, we can get it to work anywhere we want to now, put it in an axe. That's how it works. I'm saying it's just inconsistencies with the logic. Uh, You know, miniaturization of technology is a thing, right? So, like, over the millennia since Bifrost was made, (laughs) now it's small enough that they can put it in an axe. If only Thor knew somebody who had a lot of, you know, medical knowledge and actually had, you know, I don't know, mystical, magical powers at his literal fingertips. Thank you. Go see Doctor Strange. My friend is sick, you know? Ah. No, uh, Steven, Steven would flat out shut that down. Because Steven would flat out go, there is a price for everything. I can, I can help her, but there is a price to be paid if I he, help her. He threatened the literal multiverse because of I'm a aware college of application. <laughs> yeah, but this is, <sighs> yeah, yeah, you're wrong. I'm sorry. Until Steven becomes a di- becomes a dick. No, it's, I'm sorry. He is not. He is not. It, it, it is not out beyond the possibility that you'd go to him and say, "Hey, can we figure out something for?" Or we'll take her to I don't know the other millions of species out there. I'm sure they could have had. It. There was just so much. You're going. Cancer's gonna be the way it kills her. This is this is the reaction of MCU Stephen Strange. I can't help her with the cancer, but I can make the whole world, including her, forget that she has cancer. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
No, but talkie talkie, because I can make you forget that we you care that she has cancer. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> Man, if only Stephen Strange had the ha- had the capability of making somebody forget about the Darkhold and their children. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that movie! Yeah. You know, oh. I remember back when Multiverse of Madness had Nightmare as the villain. That's probably in the four hour cut. But anyway, anyway, yeah, I mean, that was even confirmed by the writer that Nightmare was originally the villain of of Multiverse of Madness. So anyway. All right, so well, we get to the end of the movie. Um, we introduce Eternity as basically a genie. Um, <laughs> just grants a wish. Woo, you got to me, guys. I'm going to grant a wish now. You know, so we got the we got the physical form of Eternity, which was nice. He's not like the comic character at all, since he just sits there in the lotus position and grants wishes. Um, but uh, <laughs> Eternity doesn't care about mortals at all. Anyway, um, so, uh, Ryan, did you think that the, the Eternity thing was like, did it have any impact? Because I know it's going to go somewhere. I know they're going to do something with it. But, and did you think, like, Gore being able to get his daughter back, like, was like a, I don't know, like an emotional, like, through line slash, like, this makes sense with the movie that we've been given that Thor now raising a child that gore lost is like the is like the emotional payoff and she's worthy don't forget and she's worthy uh right <laughs> well she's an innocent child so i but actually actually uh well yeah we also forgot about thor passing out his powers to all the right? children because he just tells his hammer you don't have to be worthy for stormbreaker <laughs> okay no all right uh there's a lot there i was actually fine with thor passing out his powers in in the same way that i was fine with thor you know telling the hammer to look after jane it's it's no different than when odin picked it up and whispered you know only those who are worthy basically clearly whoever the 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 all the and thor is technically the all father now whatever so yeah okay all right all right hold on a second hold on a second i agree about the hammer i disagree about the other one if thor had been weakened by doing that because he was sharing his power i would have been okay but apparently he can just grant power to as many people as he wants and they're all equal you have just created the like uh, you know the uh perpetual motion machine like you know you can just give out your power to everybody it ruins the game or it's entirely it's a it's entirely possible the power has always been greater than Thor. It's just he he can only take what he can handle. So therefore, once it's dispersed among others, it's, it's no different than... I mean, it's like if I have two different electronics plugged into two different outlets, it's not like each one works less uh, than the other than if I only have one plug. He in. should just pass it out to all the Avengers next time they fight something. And like you all have the power of Thor now in addition to whatever else you can do. And uh, they should also all be wearing Iron Man armors at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's because Tony is weirdly paranoid and does not let his technology out. Uh, But in all honesty, how big of a threat could Gore be if he was defeated by literal children wielding stuffed animals? (laughs) Okay, they didn't fight Gore, though. They just fought the creatures he could create. So, I mean, that's... Yeah, but those creatures are what kicked up. You know, Tessa Thompson and Val, you know, and, and everybody's butt. You know, now a bunch of little Thor's can handle him. Okay, he's so deep, so terrible. And having no kids myself, I will say, in my mind, a toddler's terrifying enough. Give them godlike powers, and yeah, I can believe that they can <laughs> you know, defeat nightmarish creatures. You know, 
Although I did like the one who like had like her stuffed bunny as like her her like thing that her power object and was just like <laughs> shooting things with the bunny and cackling evil. That was a hilarious like a like 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 gag. But like yeah. yeah, I was just like okay, this is just we're not even trying anymore. We're just like whatever right. we can do, we just do it randomly. But it was good to see Heimdall's kid though. I did like. Yeah, that. no, and I, I thought that that was that, that was nice. Yes, love that. But they handled that really well. I, if yeah, that was a storyline I enjoyed. And was anybody else weirded out about the whole, you know, child soldier thing? You know, like, maybe that's not something you want to put in your movie kind of thing? <laughs> As guardian culture. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't bother me. As, yeah, I didn't bother me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a warrior culture, so I didn't have as much of a problem with that. I'm a father of three, and I don't mind if the house is being attacked. I'm, like, passing out swords to my own children if something happens to my own. So, yeah. That's valid. Self-defense. Yeah. I just saw that as them, them taking care of their own. Yeah, and Heimdall's kid looked like he was like 13, 14, so I wouldn't expect that to be like too young mm-hmm. as far as like human equivalent age. Well, that's yeah, the, yeah exactly. They're as guardian. I mean, they could have been like, you know, 80. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know. Well, um, clearly, physically, mentally, they weren't. But um, I'm sorry, Nathan. What was your original question? <laughs> yeah, it was about the emotional like through line of the movie, like how like like Gore comes to his end. Yeah, yeah. But makes his wish, but it's a positive wish, and Thor gets a daughter. Well, I'm maybe not the Thor getting the daughter part, but I liked the resolution to Gore in that respect because it, it, it played, it was, it, it gave him a little bit more, you know, dimensionality because up until then he had been this vengeful entity. He was literally going to use his one wish for something hateful, something evil. And then Thor, you know, points out, hey, you can have your daughter back, you know? And uh, so I just felt like, I want to say that obviously didn't redeem Gore, but it, it made me realize it, it made all of his actions actually a little bit more valid for me because now he was just a vengeful, angry, sad father. Yeah, and like uh, Gore's uh, Gore's arc is is like the weightiest one in the entire movie. Yeah, yeah like his like like his arc is like the only one that matters in the entire movie. I just find it weird that in the end he trusts that Thor, after not trusting the gods and thinking they're all evil and all that Thor's done is fight him. So it's not like he's like, hey, Thor, you're a stand-up guy. Like, he, <laughs> he trusts that Thor will take care of his daughter just because he says he will. Five seconds ago, I was going to wipe out your entire species, but now I'll raise my kid. That, that's right. about right. Right. Yeah, Like, changing the wish to being a positive one rather than a negative one is, like, a good choice and is, like, a good through line for the character. I just kind of was weirded out by the idea that it's like, but then you want the god, the thing you hate, the thing you think doesn't care at all about mortals, to be the one that raises her. Well, that's why I thought we, I thought we were going to get a cop-out. I thought we were going to get the cop-out with, you know, they're going to wish her cancer away. You know, well, yeah, that's what I that's what I thought was going to happen. I was I like, why too. would he do this? But it's like, oh God, is this where this is going? Right. But maybe that's that's what did it. I mean, I again, I I watched the opening. I I need to go rewatch it again, so I can't quite remember exactly how things happened when. But maybe it was seeing Jane, you know, and everything Jane did and her her actions and her humanity and so forth. That and still being a god that convinced Gore that you know maybe there's more to it. I don't know. And her sacrifice. I, I, can I honestly say that the best line of the movie is her saying, "Call me Doctor Jane Foster." I thought that was, I thought that kicked ass. I just thought that was, it was better than the Mighty Thor line. Honestly, I thought that 
Yeah. You can just call me Dr. Game Foster. I'm like, I don't need your titles. I'm going to whip your ass. I just thought that was good. So. Was anyone else waiting for her her catchphrase to be, it's hammer time? Right? <laughs> right? Missed opportunity. <laughs> yeah. such, a missed, such a missed opportunity. I guess they didn't have the rights to that, you know? <laughs> I mean, yeah. If, if they hadn't had Jane die at the end of the movie, if Jane had offered to raise the child, if he wished her back, I would have bought that because she's not a god. Like for him to be like, you know, you, you know, I'll trust you to raise her, you know. Um, but uh, but yeah, like Thor, it just felt kind of weird to me. Um, Eric, what do you think about the that the that part of the ending? We're gonna get to the two other endings. <laughs> the ending. <laughs> Eric Ratcliffe, I'm sorry. Oh wait, I can talk now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You, you hey, Will's now. on this podcast. All bets are off. That <laughs> hurt, but okay. Keep going. <laughs> I don't think a single person talked to that panel on Dragon Con we were on and talking about the X-Men movies. I think it was just you and me the whole time. The other two people were just like... <laughs> All right, anyway, Eric Ratcliffe. I didn't moderate that panel, by the way, or there would have been more like even talking, but anyway. What was the question? I'm sorry. Uh, how did you feel about the ending of the movie? Did you think that it was like a valid, like emotional through line for how everything resolved? Or did you, did you know, basically what were your thoughts about the ending? The, the, mean, the core from... ending, not the post-credit endings. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, from I actually, I completely forgot what the second end credit scene is. Is that bad? Um, uh, no, um, from a writing, from a writing through point, And I mean, the fact you know, of the journey that Gore had been on, which is basically a bloody, uh, bloody journey through revenge, even though, like, obviously only one god ended up messing with him at the end of the day. But, I mean, it, it's, it was kind of poignant in the fact that, you know, he, instead of basically pulling a Wanda Maximoff from the comics and going, no more gods, he goes, give my daughter her life back. She died in my arms give her the life that that I'm willing to give up for her. I thought it was very poignant. And yes, it's completely against the gore, the god butcher of the comics. But for the character that the movie sets up and shows us throughout the film, um, it's just, it's a very fascinating and really cool choice that I thought was paid off really well. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, the damage that he did is much smaller than once again, as we point out much smaller than the damage that our main character pulls. But I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting to see that, you know, Gore makes an unselfish decision. And then we, we get a lone wolf and cub kind of moment. We get a Mandalorian and Grogu moment, which, uh, which is, you know, Thor helping raise this little girl on his own. And I think, I think that's a really fun and interesting character dynamic that I hope we get to see, uh, paid off on further in the, in wherever they show up next. Um, I'm really curious about that, but I, I do, I do from, from the story point, I do enjoy that decision. I think that was a really well done, uh, really done choice. Yeah, I, I think I gave my thoughts on it. I mean, I did think that Jane dying like gave the movie a little extra punch, even though I think it would have been a lot more fitting uh, if they had had longer to establish point. the character and 
A point, a point of clarification, if I can, not yeah. to completely backtrack, but I think Will's major issue there would be easily fixed if they did what if they did what they did in the comic books, which is when Thor, I mean, when Jane gets to Valhalla, um, in the comic books, it's uh, Odin is talking one on one with her and goes, "Welcome to Valhalla," but Jane pretty much responds, it's not my time yet. My story isn't over. And she decides to go back to Earth. The cancer is in remission, and she actually eventually becomes the Valkyrie in the comics, which is a really interesting decision. Whether or not that's that would be something that we could see in the in the movies is, you know, a completely different point of conversation. No, Natalie Portman was that, saying, it's my time! It's my time! Woo! I but I think die. the idea... The idea of, you know, Jane kind of going, my story isn't over yet, would be very interesting to follow up on. Okay. I think that would fix Will's major issue there. Right. Not, yeah, not you, the no, whole argument on. over, let's cure cancer. Yeah, yeah I, no, but... no, you're spot on. You're spot on. That would fix it completely. Because that way, it, you know, I, I can we go to the end scenes? Can we talk about, is that all right? I don't want to, you know, jump, but the... Well, I haven't the... gotten to finish my thoughts yet on the sorry, ending. Sorry, <laughs> Eric sorry. Radcliffe cut me off. But... Uh... so yeah um but yeah like i mentioned that i i wasn't a fan of gore just being like you know what you look like a stand-up guy because his concern is like hey if i make this wish he's gonna be alone but it's like don't worry thor will you know jane says that for him like it's just like oh yeah like thor's totally gonna raise her and it's just like you know okay he's just like all right you seem like trustworthy folk you know (laughs) just like what I is mean, that after the movie has set him up and validly not trusting these beings, you know? But the alternative is what he doesn't wish for her to come back to life. I mean, you know, he's he, he's got to take he's got to roll the dice on that one. Oh well, yeah. No if choice. you're taking it as a caveat that this is the end point of the movie that he has to get to this point, I'm just saying like there was something fundamentally flawed with how that we got here to make that the ending that has to happen. Too rushed. It was too rushed. And it I don't. Was, yeah. I didn't feel like like the bit with Thor and the girl at the end just didn't feel right to me. Like it just like the whole thing was like, is it cute? Okay, yeah, it's cute for like Thor to have this little kid that also that's like here's how i will raise you kid we will go like smash evildoers yay you know and just like that was like kind of cute but at the same time it's just kind of like this is not what i really wanted out of the movie i don't i don't know it just doesn't i I mean kind of getting to what i think it was will saying about about more kids being in the franchise or was it eric mccracken yeah I, i think maybe they might add her to the young avengers even though i don't think she's a comic character just like because it fits in with everything else they're doing, um, but I don't, I don't know. Like Thor will return. It says at the end of the movie. Although Chris Hemsworth says it was surprised him when he was in the movie theater to see that because they haven't actually like negotiated like like for him to be in another movie. He's, but he's already said he's not dropping that role anytime soon, though. Right. Oh, no, I. They're gonna I, rip I that thing out of. Problem, they're gonna rip yeah. that rule out of his arms. Yeah, his he's hands. like up uh, Downey <laughs> Jr. and um and um. Evans are idiots. <laughs> Evans, they can go. I, I'm staying. You know, yeah, let, let that money train ride. <laughs> to be fair, it says Thor will return. It doesn't say Chris will return. 
Well, true, but right now the other Thor died, so I, and they're not going to get Natalie Portman back. So yeah, um, but they could very well open it up for uh, Eric Masterson. Well, yeah, well right. you're Bale. getting ahead of me. You're getting ahead of me, <laughs> but but you still need the handoff, right? Like you need something there to like you need Chris Hemsworth at least for some part of the movie. <laughs> But, Maybe <laughs> um, you, you need a Hemsworth. Does it have to be Chris? <laughs> <laughs> Hemsworth and Matt Damon can take on the franchise, but uh, or Liam Hemsworth. I mean, uh, but uh, although I did find it funny that they that they did bring back Matt Damon for them to do that like that sort of play scene of the previous movie, like they did last time. You know, McCarthy. Like, <laughs> oh, most of McCarthy was good. Yeah. He was good. I'm hella <laughs> But um yeah, so then we have our post credit scene of Zeus deciding like mortals need to fear the gods again. And we have Hercules introduced into the MCU, which um I was surprised um to see. And so just sort of thoughts on that. Are you excited for Herc? You know, like it's kind of funny because I've been I kind of was at the point where I'm like, they're not even going to bother with Hercules because of how like depowered they've made the gods and they're kind of going in Eternals direction now. So they're probably not even going to like worry about introducing like the like the Greek pantheon and, you know, it's kind of funny, like right back to back. They introduced the Eternals and the Greek pantheon. Uh, even though there's a lot of overlap there. Um, so <laughs> what do you guys think about that? Um, Eric McCracken, are you, if like, I know that you haven't been happy with the last two movies, but like, if it was handled by like a different, you know, writer, director, like sort of thing, are you excited for Herc or what do you, I what do you am, think about that? but like, there, like there's a caveat to that. But before I get to that, uh, I legit thought that Hercules was going to be in this movie, mm. you know, like the, you know, like they go to, uh, like he goes to Zeus, asks for help, and I figured Hercules would come along. I think he would, including him, probably would have been more entertaining than Valkyrie because she didn't do anything during the entire movie anyway. Yeah. And I think that would have been cool. But kind of a little interesting tidbit about uh, the actor that, that plays Hercules mm-hmm. or that played Hercules in, the, in that ending credit scene mm-hmm. is the same actor that's going to be playing in the Disney live action Hercules, which is coming out soon. Oh, yes, that it, is interesting. So, 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 it, so it might be MCU canon. <laughs> right. So that's what I was thinking. If it's the same, if it's the same actor that's playing Hercules in both, maybe they're connected and that would be cool. And we'll see Russell Crowe back as, as <laughs> Zeus. <laughs> My gosh. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. No, that's, that's kind of interesting. Um, I will say this though. Um, you're probably anytime Taika Waititi directs a Thor movie, you're probably going to get Tessa Thompson because um, there's some kind of relationship there. Uh, some kind of. <laughs> they were they were caught in compromising positions. Um, kind of made the news. Uh, but anyway, um, Eric Ratcliffe, what do you think about Herc uh, joining? You you know me. You know my Herc uh, fandom. <laughs> uh, I was I was a reader of Incredible Hercules when Herc took over the Incredible Hulk book for uh, during uh, post post planet and World War Hulks. Um, so I'm a huge Hercules fan. I mean, I'm even a Hercules fan from pretty much 
God, the last at least Kevin Sorbo. Well, yeah, but we don't talk about Kevin Sorbo. Um, <laughs> we talk, we talk about uh, Zeno. We don't talk about that hurt because <laughs> uh, Lucy Lawless is awesome. Anyways, um, but no, uh, I I got a kick out of the fact and nerded out over the fact that just just like with just like at the beginning of the film, spotting Eternity and is you know because you can't really screw up Eternity's design unless you really try hard. The second I saw Hercules in his comic book costume, I was just like, "Wow, they they didn't shirk away from it. He's legitimately in his comic book costume." I was surprised and shocked, <laughs> though I think at least how they're going to play this wherever he shows up first it seems like he's going to be a hybrid of Herc and Ares. Yeah. Because the way, the way they did that Terminator-esque pose and the way that, um, the way that uh, his father's talking to him, even though, once again, Hercules is obviously half-human. I mean, that's kind of the hook mm-hmm. of Herc is, is he's very much as much human as he is God. But the fact that... Um, the fact that he seems, you know, that he seems ticked off and ready for war. I think they're going to kind of hybridize the character at first before they have her uh, turn that switch and go, oh, I'm I'm one of the good guys. I'm not I'm not going to listen to my dad. My dad's a jerk. Wasn't Herc originally introduced in Marvel as a Thor villain that then yep. became yes, like, he was. yeah, like, yes, he was. he's always been like, <laughs> that was his sort of starting point. And then he became an Avenger and he's good now. And. His yeah. overall personality is very much the John DiMaggio, Brave and the Bold uh, Aquaman. That is very much the Hercules personality. He's very boisterous, very excitable, very mm-hmm. to war, my friends. Like that that kind of... Oh, yeah. I've read many comics with Hercules. I was just talking about the origin of the character. Yeah. I love Herc. Yeah. I love Herc so much. I'm very excited to see, uh, to see him... Uh, to see more of him and i'm really curious where they'll put him uh coming up next because obviously this guy you know they don't just sign they don't just sign these actors to one and done and they don't just sign them to cameos uh we're gonna be seeing clea we're gonna be seeing her we're gonna actually according to feige they don't do multi-movie deals anymore he says it's all one at a time now because that was getting them into too many binds with the with the multi-movie deals not for the cameo stuff is what I'm saying. Oh, well, like, maybe not, not for a cameo. Yeah. Like, yeah, they probably have him signed to like whatever his full appearance will be and yeah. then just put him in as a cameo. So, you know, I, I'd agree with that. But people should very much read Incredible Hercules. That is my recommendation. Okay. If you're curious about, if you're curious about Herc, Incredible Hercules is well worth the read. Fred yeah. Van Lente and Greg Pak for the win. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just like, for me, like Hercules has always been like, well, Thor has his own book, so we'll have Hercules on the Avengers more often. And so it's been like, I've read a lot of Hercules as part of the Avengers because he's on the Avengers way more often uh, than Champions, Thor is. Champions, Defenders, you name it. <laughs> uh, so, Ryan, yeah, what do you think of that cameo at the end? Um, I, was, I was fine with it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to answer that question, but it's going to seem weird how I answer it. But, uh, because it, it basically my whole when I came out thinking about it, uh, came on the movie thinking about it, is I got to thinking about the fact that the Thor movies are just this continuation of this weird sort of, and we've talked about it, the comedic uh, aspect of um, of the MCU. You know, it started with Joss Whedon. It's starting to push Thor a little bit in that direction. And then, you know, obviously James Gunn hit it out of the park with Guardians of the Galaxy. And so then they decided... And, 
Marvel's going to be about money. That's really it's Disney. It's a Disney company. It's, this money is going to be what what motivates them more than integrity to the to the source material. And so, if, I mean, let's, the very fact that Thor is the only franchise so far to make it to four films. Well, Avengers, if you count, you know, uh, Infinity War and Endgame. But otherwise, Thor's the only one that's made it to four. It clearly shows that they think they found the winning recipe. Um, but going back to where my point about that, the, the cameo is just like how Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 ended with this big setup of Adam Warlock. That's literally what I think is the thing here with Hercules. I'm still waiting for that Warlock payoff. And I feel like I'm, we're going to be talking about, oh, you remember they introduced Hercules five years ago at the end of uh, right. at the end of Thor Love and Thunder. All right. To be fair about Guardians, though, it was supposed to be the next movie after Far From Home. But because of the James Gunn being fired for five minutes... They got reshuffled in the order, and that's you know we're not getting it until 2023. Yeah. But I'm sure we would have seen Warlock by now if Guardians had come out in 2020, like it was originally intended. Of course, COVID would have also bumped it back. But but you yeah. know what I mean. It would have been the first movie once COVID came. You know, was once we got to 2021, it would have been Guardians if if Gunn hadn't been fired for five minutes. Yeah. So I mean, maybe I mean probably yeah because that did. That and COVID is just really the perfect storm of, of bad. Well, no, no, they literally Plus. said May 2020, Guardians of the Galaxy three before he was fired. So that was the plan. So right, and then you had we had the whole Avengers movies. I'm not disagreeing that Guardians Volume three should have been a lot. We should have seen it a lot sooner than than we're actually getting it. But my general point there is that I'm not. It was neat seeing Hercules, but I'm not going to get really invested and excited about it until. Either we know where Thor is coming back or where Hercules is going to fall into here, because right now it just feels more like it to me. It feels more like an Easter egg than a setup. Okay. And we'll, well, see, here's, oh, sorry, Will, I'm just going to put a pin on that. See, to me, this is the thing that's dovetailing in with like the sort of like, the god stuff going on in Moon Knight is like the whole the, the thing of like Hercules is now going to come to Earth and make people like know that like the gods are real and that they should fear them and all of that. I think that this is this is dovetailing into some sort of greater threat of the deities and maybe either like a destruction of or a somewhat a, a reformation. I mm-hmm. can see it in in Blade. We're dealing with swords. Thor, Love and Thunder had a sword. You know, I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll allude to it in Blade somehow or come back to it there. Okay. Since, you know, Bl- Black Knight is apparently going to be in that. It could even be Eternals too. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Will, uh, what do you what do you think about Herc, the Prince well, of Power? I, the Prince of Power. Um, Ramsey comics here and there, and they've never been a big follower, so I'm like, I'm excited to see her. Just, I, I will say, I was kind of underwhelmed with his appearance in the movie because i'm like he didn't look like the mightiest the world's strongest or the universe's strongest person you know he didn't have that look you know you're i'm you're almost wanting i hate to say it but you know need to pump him up right you know just kind of give me to a be little bit fair of to be fair even hemsworth is not built like thor is built in the comics like he has muscles no, 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 but no. he is not as ridiculously muscled as thor is in the comics i don't know in this one he came pretty close i mean he was buff in this one i mean like uh i mean he he, he couldn't put his arms down at some point in, in certain <laughs> points i mean it just really was I, i'm not knocking I'm, I'm making a joke i mean it's not like it's some serious thing i think I, i'm kind of like on ryan's point of view I, I will get excited when i know he's a major character in a film that i know is coming out soon so. okay yeah. or disney plus project or a disney plus project <laughs> however they're gonna handle it i mean yeah, who knows yeah. okay all right so 
Um, last, last sort of official question before we go to thoughts for the future. Does anyone think, you know, after we had our, our second post credits of Jane shows up in Valhalla, does anyone think Natalie Portman's coming back? No, because she put him with Ildis Elba. <laughs> if he's not coming back, he, I, thought, I thought that was the biggest, you know, double fingers up because Ildris Elba had been bucking to get out of the MCU since he's been in the MCU. And to put it with the other person who's bucking almost as hard was hilarious. I thought that was, I thought was great because they almost had a chance to have, I call it the redemptive Last Jedi ending and have, you know, have have um, Anthony Hopkins and Gene Russo meet, her, you know, meet her in Valhalla and welcome her there. No, they get Elders over like, welcome to Valhalla. <laughs> We're out of the MCU. We just get Thor, the correct residuals. <laughs> Thor, as, he, as he's fighting with the girl, he looks over like on a ridge and like Idris Elba, right. like Heimdall and Jane and Odin are like blue shimmery, like right. characters gazing yeah. down on him. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, my, my biggest question was this, is that what is this afterlife? Is this an alternate universe? Because they, you know, they're really touchy on the religious aspects of things. They kind of avoid, you know, uh, Guardians Two. With the, the, one of my favorite lines is "Little G, son," not you know it, that big G, little G line when um, you know, when Carousel says that. So, what is this afterlife? Is it a you know an alternate dimension? Is it is it actually an afterlife, or you know what is this? It's where all the characters who have gotten out of the MCU because they don't want to do it any like like I like Tony Stark is there somewhere also like sipping a Mai Tai you know (laughs) (laughs) all we're doing is collecting checks on residuals (laughs) is Quicksilver there too (laughs) both they just use it as a shield though. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a holy bartender. Uh, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, yeah. What What would you like to see? So, moving forward, what is what would you like to see coming from this franchise? And I'm going to start because otherwise, I think Eric McCracken is going to scoot me. I've been saying it. Um, and I, I want Eric Masterson. I want, um, uh, that version of Thor. I mean, you can transition him to Thunderstrike if you want Hemsworth back as Thor. You know, you only really need like, you know, a movie and a half or a movie in a Disney Plus series or something like that. But that's what I want. And I want it to lead to Thorcore. I want Thorcore. <laughs> I get that you have to introduce Beta Ray Bill. Dargo can be introduced in the Thorcore movie, but then you got the four Thors, and then you're good. You got Thorcore. And since you're doing Kang, and the second Thorcore storyline was them versus Kang, easy, 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 easy. Do Thorcore. So that's my that's my thing. I that's what I want to see. I want to see more Thors. Not the one from Secret Wars, right? What are we talking about with Thorcore? Sorry. Because Thorcore. Uh, Thorcore, I think of the Beta Ray Bill. Eric Masterson and Dargo Couture from the 26th century came together and called themselves the Thor Corps. This was in the mid nineties, Tom DeFalco and uh, Ron friends. Oh, okay. Nope. Sorry. And, and then when the second limited series, they added the actual Thor because by that point, Eric Masterson had become Thunderstrike. And so he, he, he was still part of Thor Corps, but then Thor was back the real Thor. And so he was added to the Thor core. So then you have four Thors. So that, that is what I want. During the 2015 secret wars, they did a uh, Thor core, but it was uh, basically law and order with hammers. 
<laughs> it was they were literally this the the doom core uh... every decision marvel's made since about 2000 has been a bad one i mean it's just <laughs> oh no this is a really good d- no d- no nothing ignorance everything ignorance everything ignorance. The, they, uh, ignorance it's garbage read read damn comics from the last 22 years sir have uh, right. yeah I, yeah <laughs> I, I i i know enough i i know about one fine day but uh <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So we're gonna we're gonna base all of it on the terrible Spider-Man event. Okay, they have cool. Kid Avengers. Cool. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, but it's anyway. a damn good book. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> all the things that Marvel always said we don't need to do it because, and that's a DC thing. Like they're doing it all now. Like even rebooting the universe, they're like, we don't need to reboot because we did it right the first time. And oh, what do they do? They reboot the universe. They merge universes together. They basically do Crisis, and it's like DC did Crisis. You're just following them. Ugh. Anyway, Nathan's wrong on all his right. own show. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Eric McCracken. I know you're going to mention. I know you. You already mentioned Eric Masterson. But is there anything else you'd like to see from a future Thor movie, Eric McCracken? Uh, well, honestly, I am going to put Thor movies into the Fantastic Four category of, uh, if they're not going to do it right, I don't want to see it anymore. Mm-hmm. So like, if they're not going to do Thor right, I don't want to see it. Just like if they're not going to do Doom right, I don't want to see Fantastic Four. That's fair. But like, what would your ideal Thor movie be knowing that they're going to keep the continuity, but say they, they pick another, another director, even though it's not likely. But say they get another director and it's, it's, it's going to be a serious Thor movie. What would, you, what would you like to see? Given that they would do it right, I would like to see a story about... Or like There was a story in the comics where after Ragnarok, Thor went around looking for all of the Asgardians who had died in Ragnarok to, res, to, to resurrect them. Yes. And I would like to see him go and look for the Warriors 3 and bring them back in all of their glory. And then they were. Are you talking about the one that was after um, Heroes Reborn, where all the Asgardians were on Earth living human lives, not realizing that they were really Asgardians? Yes. Okay. Yes. And the, and like so, Thor went around resurrecting all of the Asgardians, and he built Asgard in the middle of Oklahoma, and that was funny. And like that would be awesome. And that's what I want. Okay. Uh, uh, other than that, as long as they keep the Phoenix Force out of Thor, uh, I think we're going to be okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, Ryan, what would you like to see uh, from the franchise? Uh, you know, I'm not uh, as versed in the comics, the Thor comics. My Mainly, I just read about him in Avengers and other places and so forth. Um, so it's really tough for me. I can't really cite uh a specific storyline or anything like that i mean and the ones that i would have kind of all been done which would have been or or we've talked about them here um honestly i wouldn't mind though uh, yeah I, I wouldn't mind a more i know it's never going to happen because the, the comedy sells uh the, the the slapstick sells but i wouldn't mind a more return to the pathos uh you know keep some comedy but dial it down uh thank you yeah uh, yeah yeah, quite a bit. I would rehire Kenneth Branagh, but that's thank you. Yes, right now, right now. 
I mean, I, I don't, I don't hate that idea. My, I have problems with that. I think my problems, my problems with the original Thor and with Kenneth Branagh weren't the uh, direction, but probably just the script. I just, I don't buy that an immortal god suddenly discovered how to be a better person over a weekend. No, you're. It needed to be a montage yeah. rather than like uh, yeah. this is in real time and like with the conveyance of a year has passed or something yes. like that. Then I would have bought. No, I agree with you. That's the one flaw in the movie. If they implied that a year passed while thor mm-hmm. was stuck on earth and they just skipped forward in time that would have been the that would have been the the thing that fixed the movie Abs- absolutely me. so uh, yeah i mean uh so i guess uh, like what this movie did you know i think thor a couple of times and this is another classic thor adventure and that's kind of what this movie was it, it's kind of a uh you know, uh, a bottle episode because it didn't affect the greater MCU at all. Really, maybe it set up some stuff like the gods or whatever, but it didn't really affect. Like that's the problem. Like, up through Phase Three, everything had to set up. You know, Infinity War. Everything had to be building. Hydra had to be revealed to be in Shield. Everything had to change the entire MCU, and this this didn't. And so, I mean, I wouldn't mind the next one being. It doesn't need the Guardians. It doesn't need Hulk. You know, stick to the Thor mythology. Uh, and I, I, I really expected at some point in this movie to see either in a dream sequence or a flashback. I expected Loki. I expected, you know, Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. I, I suspect the four hour cut had Loki because I maybe. actually read something somewhere that he was going to be in this. And maybe because mm-hmm. technically he was in a flashback. So maybe right. that's what yeah. they meant by it. But yeah, I, maybe. yeah, maybe. I was expecting Loki. So I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind Thor coming across a variant of Loki, but uh, the more evil, the more original nemesis uh, uh, Loki, even if it's a a different variant, doesn't have to be played by Tom Hiddleston, but maybe something along those lines, setting up that classic uh, dynamic. Um, But I do feel that since the the girl that played love is in fact, Chris Hemsworth's real life daughter that we're going to get her uh, in it as well. And I feel like here's the thing. I feel like with what they did in this movie, we have to. I mean, they cannot have set this up like there has to be a payoff. It can't just be okay. You're going off to daycare, or okay, you know. Uh, well, yeah. and that's why I was saying, like, like it, they could really easy establish Thor being like, "Well, I've got to be a dad now." And so here, like Eric Masterson, establish some sort of relationship where he knows this guy or he knew him. It could be a flashback and be like, "You're Thor now." You know, you handle this. Okay, I could kind of see. Yeah, it could be. Uh, literally, it could be Thor takes love to Earth and gives his power to Eric Masterson so that he can be a human, you know, parent, you know, to to this to this girl. Yeah, that would be interesting, and that way he can still be in it, but in kind of a passing of the torch uh, uh, manner as a, an advisor, as a Nick Fury type thing or something. Yeah, that would be interesting. I could see that. <laughs> God. Well, now I'm seeing Hemsworth trying to do like a comedy version of, Nick, of being like Nick Fury and Nick it hurts Fury. me a little yeah. bit. Uh, but anyway, he pops out the eye and puts on a patch again and he's halfway there. <laughs> All right, Will, um, yeah, what would you like to say? Well, I mean, honestly, things we haven't seen so far. I mean, Enchantress. I would really have liked, Ooh. you know, I'd like to see her in a future Thor movie. I would. I, I really want Taki to stay away from these. I, I don't like the direction since he's taken over, and I love him. In the, I mean, Jojo Rabbit's one of my favorite things. So, I mean, just I, I, I wish that we'd get the Enchantress, the Wrecking Crew, just some class. I mean, you talk about classic Thor stories. We haven't touched on a lot of classic Thor stories, and I think that if you introduce that side, you know, maybe go back to. I'm just tired of every Thor movie, him losing like 20 IQ points. Yeah. He just seems to have gotten dumber and dumber and dumber. And I'm going, and it, and it just doesn't, it, it doesn't make sense. I mean, it just, it just bugs me that 
a, a great start to a character just keeps getting diminished. And I'm going, what? What can I mean? Are, are, is the next film a, a, a you know, like a, the bathroom and fart jokes? Is that next? Is that the next step? I mean, are we? I just, I, I really don't have a lot of hope. I guess I'm with Eric on that. I mean, I just not a lot of hope that they're going to go in the right direction with this because they're stuck on this buddy comedy kind of Thor and this bro Thor instead of Thor. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you, actually. Like, that was sort of my big issue with, like, what's going on mm-hmm. with the character is, like, he he feels like a moron. Right, and he's not. And, and I, I don't like that being the source of the humor is, like, Thor is not, like, Thor's never been, like, smart in the comics. Like, he's not, like, the smartest guy, but he's... He's competent. Yeah. He's mentally competent. Mm-hmm. You know, and the humor comes like with, with what Eric McCracken was saying, and that he his cult he culturally doesn't fit in with with everybody, you know, like he's fish out of, he's a fish out of water. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, you know, he him not he, him being too literal, him being mm. it, it, the the jokes in the first movie when I'm throwing the glass on the ground. Another right. you know, that's that's good Thor comedy. I mean, yes. that, that, that's fine. Or, or, or going into the pet store and asking for a horse. Horse, because, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. that's uh, because a normal pet where he that, comes from. Why wouldn't right. he be selling horses? You know? uh, yeah, and, and looking, you know, and talking to, you know, talking to someone as if I shall conquer them. Well, just let that be the Thor, not... Well, man, you know, like it's over here, bro. I've got to go pick it up. <laughs> just, that's the Thor we're aiming at. Keanu Reeves is going to be it, it, from 1990. He's going to be coming in and playing Thor at this point. You know, I, I am listening. Thor Theodore Logan. I am Thor Theodore Logan. <laughs> listening yeah. to you talk, uh, it it just uh, occurred to me the biggest thing that that upsets me about Thor. It's like. But like with it trying to be funny, it's almost like we're getting Thor as played by Jack Black. Yes, mm. yes, exactly. Thank you. That, that that's very yeah, exactly what I'm trying to say. Uh, have have you all heard of the the narrator theory about Thor Ragnarok? And uh, well, since this Korg story, like it didn't happen yeah. the way. And that the first yeah. one was yeah, exactly. This is all coming from Korg's POV, and in the first one, it was all Thor telling the entire movie, and these are just their interpretations, or they're telling the story. I mean, but I mean, ultimately though, I still feel it's unsatisfying for me as a viewer of the story, so I mean, whether or not it is how it actually happened, unless they're then going to create an alternate cut and be like, this is (laughs) like the the true adventure of Love and Thunder, I don't... It doesn't have to be an alternate cut, but it gives them an easy out to retcon anything they want to sure later on i mean i get that well i mean it, it, to me to me with it though is it when you with the dummy down of thor you it, 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 it doesn't even match up what happened in the mcu because in infinity war he is not an idiot i mean he he, he has some moments but he's not an idiot i'm going to go out i'm going to go get this weapon i'm going to kill thanos and I, it, to me it, what, what really drives me insane is that they've created this problem now it's the thanos problem is that Thanos was unstoppable with every Avenger attacking him. Captain Marvel, attack, everybody attacks him, can't stop Thanos. But now it's like now we have someone ten times as strong as Thanos shows up. We, I mean, it, it's what is it? I mean, what's the power level here? And and making Thor dumb just ruins it all. Ah, uh, the DBZ problem. Yeah. Once you have is. a character that can destroy the universe, how <laughs> do you up the ante? Yes. All right. Anyway. Yep. I I, no, I get it. I get it. All right, Eric. What uh, what do you think about like what would you like to see out of the future? Give me all those cut, all the all the cutscenes because I mean, Enchantress exists. Lena H- Haiti didn't just show up and film a whole bunch of stuff for nothing. 
she exists. <laughs> and want to see more of her. I thought we were going to get Betty Ray Bell. I thought we were going to, I mean, with Cosmic Thor. With, Probably Guardians uh, Volume 3. That's what I was thinking, too, is that if they'd have come out in the right order, we'd have gotten better by now. But I thought we were going to have Beta by now at this point. So I mean, when I, uh, to backtrack just a tiny bit, like I said, Enchantress is is something I want to see more of. But um, when they first announced <laughs> that Sif was involved, it, Sif was involved in um, in the film, I was going, oh, they're going to introduce Beta Ray Bill. Because I thought it was going to be the two of them riding around on Scuttlebutt and Thor would bump into them and that would be part of the adventure. But that's not what happened, obviously. But it, that would have been a perfect introduction right there. So what you're saying is you want the Snyder Cut. <laughs> God no. God no. How dare you even bring up that hack? Thor for the Snyder version, you know? <laughs> I am very curious about the original cuts of both this and Multiverse of Matt. I know we'll never see them. I know that Kevin Feige does not, you know, do like believe in director's cuts. And so it's, you know, one of those things we're never going to see them. But uh, DVC starts, okay, just throwing this out there because we're not, I'm not saying the movies are doing poorly, but they're not doing as well as, say, the Russo run, the Whedon run. You know, they're not doing the returns. Yeah, no, strong. no, don't, no, because that's that you're wrong on that. Respectfully, you're wrong on that. Like they've been breaking the the box office records for COVID, uh, right along the lines of like uh, there's only been like three or four other movies, but like multiverse. I'm talking about quality, though. I'm, I mean, they're, they're, the Rotten Tomato scores do mean something. People are it, it's it's turning off some fans. No, it's turning off some fans. Calm down, man. Good God. <laughs> you know, like, the second anybody brings up Rotten Tomatoes, though, it's like I'm, I, I don't want to. I don't want to be offensive towards you. It's just Oh, go for it, bro. No, no, no. I'm not, I no, that's why I'm saying I don't want to be offensive towards you. I'm saying like but the rotten tomatoes thing, it's it's been debunked because it's user generated. And it we've uh, we've seen time and time again. Right. We've seen movies get like, you know, yeah. like 10% know. because people bombed it before the movie even came out and stuff oh, like that. Oh, I know that. that. I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm just talking about we agree though that the quality of movie is going down. Uh, but we don't agree with that, or at least I'm saying I don't. I don't agree with that sentiment. Sorry. I don't think two movies is enough for me to like say there's a trend two? yet. Three, Eternals. Oh, I, I loved Eternals. I liked Eternals a lot. I know, but I'm saying, but a lot of people didn't. I mean, I'm saying there's growing, there's a growing pattern here. I'm not. Sa- I'm not saying it's I, again. I'm just pointing out. Can't it? Will Kevin continuously be in charge? Will Disney go? Wait a second think about what's happening and let's retool this a little bit people i mean uh, that's the thing unless box office numbers are bad and and i I do think they're probably adjusting for post-covid because like the field is different but if box office numbers are bad oh definitely they'll they'll replace kevin in a hot minute if they're like (laughs) these movies aren't doing like as well anymore like sorry kevin you know thanks for all your hard work bye um but uh you know, um, but but as long as the movies are, ba- whether we think they're good or bad, if people are showing up and paying money at All the movie theaters, they don't care. The Rotten Tomatoes score could be zero and they would be like, we don't care because we're getting ticket money. So, you know, <laughs> go to the movie and hate watch it. We love it when you hate watch it. <laughs> you know, so like, uh, yeah. I remember reading an article uh, not too long ago that said that uh, the only movie out of phase four that Disney has considered a success was Spider-Man. And they mm-hmm. had to share the profits on that one. Like every other movie. Like, considering uh, a failure. Like, yeah. like, well, uh, Shang-Chi, uh, 
Well, if they're considering like pre-COVID numbers, then yeah, they've all been low. They've all been depressed. But for the movie like market as a whole, they've been doing well. I just don't know how much longer the COVID excuse. But you also have to factor in that, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but not a single phase four movie has aired in China uh, yet. So that's a huge uh, portion of their box office. So if they're still doing well, despite being denied access to the Chinese market, then they're doing all right. You know, I mean, nothing can be written off as a failure anyways. Maybe I can see Shang-Chi or Shang-Chi being a problem for China, but what, what has been a problem for China? Multiverse of Madness, uh, the gay scene taking out the mothers. No, China. China wanted the. Um, uh, China wanted uh, the. Why can't I think of the name of the monument? Um, uh, the in Spider Man, they, they wanted no the Statue no of Liberty completely taken out of Spider Man. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then. <laughs> and- Okay. And 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 multiverse of madness, there was literally just a newspaper in one scene that was critical of like Tibet or China or something like oh, that. Okay. That's why right. that one. Oh. And um I think in ter- Eternals, yeah. I'm surprised Disney cared enough to keep that, but okay. But but yeah. like as of right now, uh Thor Flub and Blunder made about mm. uh Five hundred million dollars, you know, half a billion dollars, mm. and that's barely breaking even for what they spent on it. No, you know, like, they're not that expensive. They're like they're like in the like two hundred and eighty million for costs. They're not five hundred million in costs. They're crossing four with marketing. They actually are crossing four with marketing. Yeah, like okay. uh, yeah, yeah, like the articles that I've been reading are saying that if like if they're not making seven hundred million dollars. They're not making any profit on these movies. Well, but then it's not done yet. I mean, I I think it will, it will it'll it'll crawl across it, but I think it'll crawl across seven hundred million. But it will. But again, that is Thor <laughs> playing in China. I mean, it, has it premiered internationally anywhere yet? So that's that's what you have to consider. Yeah, I, I find it hard to believe it's that expensive because if it's that expensive, nobody would. I mean, even yeah, I don't buy it. I, but the budget was two hundred and fifty million, and it's already made five hundred and twenty million on box office. The, the budget does not include advertising. It is true, so that does pop the number up. But I doubt it pops it up all the way to five hundred million, especially if they're not advertising in China. You know, so uh, yeah. Um, and anyways, you gotta. You got to be careful about any articles you read that there are direct quotations because a lot of articles are people just speculating and saying, I know this or an industry insider told me this. And it's like, yeah, if you don't have a quotation, I do not believe you. You know, I want the source and the quotation because someone's familiar with the situation. (laughs) Yeah. So often, so often people are writing what they think or what they want to be true. And they are putting out headlines that make it seem like a fact. Yep. But when you actually read the article, you see it is speculation. And so, yeah. Now, I, I know that Disney has high expectations and sometimes expectations are worse than the reality. You know, so like, for instance, like that's what happened with DC. DC made money on a lot of those DC movies, yeah. but because they expected a lot more, they were like, yeah. this is a this is a problem, you know, and so I get that that can be an attitude problem, but I, I don't know that we know exactly. We know the budgets because those are reported. I don't know that anyone knows unless there is a direct quote from a source how much they spend on advertising or if people are just throwing numbers out there, you know, and saying like, this is how much, you know, they spent on it. I mean, it's been out, what, like 
three weeks, two or three weeks. And off the top of my head, I can't think of anything the rest of the summer that's really going to challenge it. Uh, that could be maybe nope. I, nope, it's going to do good, but no, it's not not Thor levels. Not in, yeah, but it's going to be a fraction of the budget, though. I mean, it's going to—it's a twenty million dollar film that's going to make three, four hundred million. Yeah, somebody well, that already yeah. has the box office stuff up. Can you look up Multiverse of Madness? I'm curious what it made total. Uh, yeah, give me two seconds. I I know that that Multiverse of or both Multiverse of Madness and Thor had like two of the largest second week drop offs in movie history. Yep, that, that I believe. No, yeah, because yeah, everybody that's going to see them sees it on the opening week or tries to. Eric, did you ever get the number? Yep. It's uh eight hundred and fifteen million. Oh, okay. So anybody anybody calling that a, a eight anybody saying eight hundred and fifteen million in twenty twenty two is a flop is just madness. Um once again, I said it it is around fourteen or fifteen in my MCU rankings. I am not saying it's the best film ever. I'm just saying the narrative of saying a film like that is a flop at that I'm not arguing from quality's sake. I'm just saying monetarily. Oh, I'm not saying they're monetarily flops either. I'm just saying they're not getting the returns they did on the earlier MCU. Well, yeah, because burnout is real for anybody. Well, but even then, it was just like the core Avengers movies that were breaking a billion. I mean, it wasn't like every single MCU movie broke a billion. But you look at the the success of Iron Man, which was a $20 million budget and made $600 million. I'm not saying they're bad and that they're looking at Kevin to fire him. I was saying... Or does the quality and the product catch up with one another? That's all I'm talking about. You got to look at it from the the perspective of burnout, and people do have burnout when it comes yeah. to f- mm-hmm. not not necessarily franchise, but genre fiction in general. So, like some people, I think that's coming. Yeah, we we are hearing from people overall watching every single show. So there is that feel of burnout. So I guess that's that could be the conversation had. I think that's more of where I'm aiming at. Is that okay? Are, have we hit? Are we hitting what I, I thought was going to happen five years ago? Are we hitting it now? I think post Endgame is is what I'm talking about. Is, is post Endgame Marvel getting hit with just Marvel burnout? It's what happened to westerns. I mean, yeah. when the westerns were huge, everybody saw the westerns, and then it got to a point where people were kind of tired of westerns, right? And even right. really good movies didn't necessarily get you know what they got before, and blah blah blah. So it was inevitable because fads come and go, like you know styles change, people's interests change. Superheroes have been big for a decade. You know, like it's over a decade, really. Fifteen years, fifteen years. I mean, but yeah. I, th- I think again, it's it, well, that's a decent uh, analogy, but it's still flawed because westerns weren't interconnected, right? Like like the MCU, and and it, we we talk with fellow geeks, we talk in an echo chamber, we we associate with people who see all the movies. I talk to people at my work; they maybe see like half or a quarter of the Mar- Marvel movies. They don't see them all, like, and they never have. Yeah. Like, it wasn't a burnout thing. Like, it's just they yeah. don't. And yeah. that's the brilliance. That's the brilliance of this model is what I'm saying, because we have actual evidence of of this effect of, of them playing into each other. Because after Multiverse of Madness dropped, WandaVision jumped up to, like, I think mm. the number two most streamed series yes. uh, again for a week or so. And these are people who didn't watch it. You're, you're right. They're all advertisements for each other. Like, oh, if you yeah. want the rest. Of- it's, it's like those stinking footnotes in the comics when I'd be like, kind of. darn it, i got to go buy that issue now because it said I need. But that's that's where the story is, you know. <laughs> so that's why everyone complained about Ms. Marvel not doing well. 
just wait. After the Marvels drops, the numbers from Miss Marvel are going to jump like crazy as people go back to watch that. Yeah, just yeah. like Daredevil did after Spider-Man. I mean, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, and then Daredevil. Yeah, people were streaming Daredevil because they saw Matt Murdock in the Spider-Man movie. Yeah, yeah no, it's it's true. And I think the numbers for the old Spider-Man movies went up. Now, obviously, that's that. The, yeah, those were on a different platform, but I think those went up when yep. uh, 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 No Way Home came out. You know, people wanted to see those old Spider-Man movies. So. I can't remember which episode it was on, but I know like Nathan and I have had this conversation where like it's you have the nerdier niche audience always going, oh, how is everything going to tie together in phase four? But as Nathan and I and Nathan and I have discussed, you have literally like you have the kung fu side of things. You have the street level side of things. You have the cosmic like they spent 10 years building the universe. So then just like in the comic books, they can split everything into its own. Right. Some characters are going to end up fighting Kang, but I don't think the whole output yeah. everyone from Moon Knight to Doctor Strange to, you know, you get what I'm saying? Like they're not all going to Shang-Chi. They're not all going to come together to fight Kang. Daredevil's not fighting Kang. Yeah. 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 Galactus is going to show up, but I don't think everybody is going to show up to fight Galactus. You know, there's yep. going to be the stuff with the gods and there's going to be more than just Thor fighting them. Um, and the, but then again, it's going to be its own thread that goes through. And is the thing with with the rings and Shang Chi going to tie in with any of those three, or is it going to be its own unique thing introducing something new? There's all sorts of theories about those rings and who they tie into, but it's going to tie into something. And yeah. so again, like there's all these different threads that they're peppering in, and they're going to be like little, they're going to be little, they're going to be crossovers. But just like in the comics, the big crossovers of every Marvel character are rare. You know, yeah. but they have lots of characters of like three or four book crossovers. You know, like right now they're doing like Avengers, Eternals, and X Men. You know, like that's their crossover they're doing right now. But it's like that—that's more of the thing. It's like not everybody, but a lot of people are in this thing going on right now. You know. Yeah, I think that's the model they're going for. It used to be like up until Endgame, the model was to get you know pretty much everyone or most people into the theater, into the seats. Now I think they're trying to move towards a, maybe we don't get everyone to watch everything, but we have something for everyone. Cause right. not everyone's going to watch She-Hulk. Yep. You know? Right. Yeah. You're going to have a comedy. You're going to have a horror. We're getting, yeah, I agree. You're going for the niche market. And so, yeah, I wanted Moon Knight to be street level, but they're going like sort of like pseudo cosmic yeah. with Moon Knight. And so that means that with Echo coming in, and with Charlie Cox going to be in that as Daredevil, I think that's going to start the wave of street level. And with Spider-Man being sort of demoted to street level at the end of the yep. No Way Home, we're starting like the street level brand over there. And so it's going to be... So So Moon Knight and Shang-Chi almost operate on the same tier, which might be interesting if their stories dovetail. But you get what I'm saying? Like, there's going to be some kind there's of... Gonna be room, there's going to be room for crossovers and crossovers within crossovers. Yeah. Right, right, right. But yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. But yeah, but I don't know that. As long as Benedict Wong's in every movie, can we agree that's okay? I mean, yes, you know, we can all agree on that because he's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, 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 yes. right? We love him. I mean, Benedict. Well, I mean, I thought using him and and I, I really thought they missed a chance in these last couple to really make him just that centerpiece guy of I'm going to walk through the universe. I, I I'm just a little worried though because he's Sorcerer Supreme right now. And I have this bad feeling that he's going to end up dying so that yeah. there can be a new thing. And, and by the way, though, since Fantastic Four are coming in, I totally want the competition and I totally want it to be down to Stephen Strange and Doom as the next Sorcerer Supreme. That I want that to be a movie because that 
is amazing. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> I would not even be unhappy if they actually had Doom be Sorcerer Supreme for a while. There's a what if where he became Sorcerer Supreme that was actually pretty good. But anyway, why not? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, not what if. Why not? I mean, but um, yeah. So I'm a little bit worried about Wong, but uh, I do love him. And as long as we're all, you know, agreeing on things that need to happen, can we get a new actor for Iron Fist, please? Yes. Oh, yeah, yes. God, yes. 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 Please. Yes. Yes. Uh, I do not want to defend Iron Fist, but season two nope. was the most improved series I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, 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 the quality increase. It showed that it was yeah. the direction that was the problem yeah, with but, the but story when, runner, the showrunner, and the direction were the problem with Iron Fist. But when the major complaint is that the character can't fight <laughs> and they yeah. fix it by making him not fight. <laughs> Well, that's yeah. because Finn Jones didn't want to show up on set to train to fight. Yeah. The that's... dude showed up like a day before to shoot his stuff. Yeah. That is the chart. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm just going to back off from that. Yes. One of the fighter <laughs> rangers has been saying that someone kind of heavily hinting it was Finn Jones, but we only have his word. You know, I want to know how much time Finn Jones had between being hired and, and yeah. you know, yeah. uh, and the episode started shooting to train, you know, because if they didn't give him like six months or something, then, you know, that's part of the problem. And but, you see the difference from mm-hmm. season two to season one in his his fighting doesn't improve. It's not great, but right. doesn't prove from season two to season. I like the defenses. His fighting isn't great. <laughs> Right, but here's the thing. Here's, all right, despite any rumors or whatever, we don't know they're bringing anyone in. But there, I know there's rumors that Jessica Jones is coming in, but I haven't heard anything about Luke Cage or Iron Fist being brought in. That's true, which is a shame. And and Mike Coulter has his own show right now, so he might not even come in. And frankly, I don't want Iron Fist without Luke Cage anyway, because that's what I was hoping they were doing with Netflix was they were going to bring them together and do Heroes for Hire, because that's yeah. what I want. Heroes for Hire. <laughs> because okay, 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 okay. Luke Cage without Iron Fist, it, it just doesn't work. I mean, in, in the comics, yes, he's been a part of the Defenders, the Avengers, all the. But when they're heroes for hire, they are so much fun. And we even it saw is- that. All right, as much as bad as you say with Finn Jones, <laughs> every time he was together with Mike Coulter, it was good. It was good. <laughs> Sweet Christmas. It was, and, and again, one of the best casting choices was him as he is. He is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want two shows. I want Heroes for Hire with those two, and I want Daughters of the Dragon with uh, Misty and Colleen. If they can give me like two six-episode seasons, one of each of those, I'll be happy because that. And because I mean, whatever else you think about Iron Fist and what they did with it on Netflix, Jessica Henwick as Colleen was great. Uh, and 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 uh, Simone Missick as uh, Misty was also great. Um, so yeah, uh, but we'll see, but she also has a show now. So yeah, if I had to guess what this pod, well, first off, Disney money can get anyone, but if I had to guess like where this podcast would go, it would not be a deep dive into iron fist. (laughs) 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 Well, well, I got two people on here who love (laughs) iron fist as much as I do. So (laughs) it went there because both Eric's were on my iron fist, uh, season two episode, I think. Or was it season one? I don't remember. But uh, um, season one definitely. Wait, no. Yeah, okay. One. Yeah, I think season two. I did have a different because I don't think you guys were available at that point. I was, on, I was on one of them. Yeah, you were in the season two one, Ryan. No, I think Ryan and I were on the same one. 
<laughs> yeah, you and Angie were in season two. I don't remember who the third person was, but uh, you and Angie were season two on Iron Fist for sure. Because we talked about uh, a Typhoid Mary and had very differing opinions on Typhoid Mary. So, um, but anyway, <laughs> anyway, now we're talking about Typhoid Mary, so it's time. <laughs> Well, and, uh, you know, um, people give her a bad rep. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think I, I think I admitted her. I think I did. Yeah. I know. I just find it weird else. to have Typhoid Mary and not either Daredevil or Deadpool, but that's a whole other, that's a whole other, like Iron Fist and Typhoid Mary was a strange combo. Um, but, uh, <laughs> all right. So, yeah, I think we've, I think we talked enough about Thor Love and Thunder because we're already talking about <laughs> other things. So, it's time to wrap out here. That's why there's so little to talk about Thor Love and Thunder. <laughs> Thor, Thor Love and Blunder. That's what they should be talking <laughs> All right. So, um, now it's time to say goodbye and let people know if and where they can find you. So, Eric McCracken, you're up. Uh, uh, you can't really find me anywhere online <laughs> except for this podcast. So, if you like me, keep listening. <laughs> That's the best place to be. So you're my other 42 cast exclusive. That's what Angie says every time she's on the podcast is she's a 42 cast exclusive. So that that's, that's what we'll go with there. All right. Uh, Will say goodbye and let people know where they can find you. Uh, thanks again, Nathan for always, you know, and I love doing this and I keep just keeping up. You can always hear me on Nate's show. I'm on here, you know, every once in a while. And also the esports report and then WG Nets podcast on Twitter. So there you go. Uh, so what do you talk about on the WG Nets podcast? Uh, we are starting up. It's not quite there going. It's just a collection of all the different podcasts I'm on, things like that. So okay. it's just a place to sh- show where I'm with you, show you where I'm, you know, just all that. Okay, cool. All right, Ryan. Uh, I may not be a uh, 42 cast exclusive, but I think I have the record as the most appearances and the most cancellations. So, you know, <laughs> I- I'll take that. <laughs> I do- <laughs> Uh, uh, definitely true on the most appearances and probably true on most cancellations. Yeah. <laughs> the good with the bad, the, the love and the thunder. But you can find me, you know, obviously here, uh, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. Um, I think I even have an Instagram I should dust off. Uh, otherwise, I, oh gosh, I hate saying it, but I don't think I'm going to make Dragon Con again this year. It's just getting too weird out there and I'm getting too poor um but otherwise yeah just find me around i mean feel free to check out my my website which uh i will have to do something with if i uh, don't find a job soon because i would just go crazy otherwise um you know paying three bucks a month for it i gotta do something with your, it. your website that hasn't been updated since august of 2019 it took a break for the pandemic nathan i, I still <laughs> want article three of three you had three you you had one of three two of three and you never right. did three of three of your d20 2019 d23 yes and and it was gonna be my the article three was gonna be my predictions for the upcoming obi-wan series and i'm happy to say i was right on everything yeah just write the article now pretending you had written it in 2019 and just predict everything that happened in (laughs) obi-wan and you know i can i can change the publishing date on it so it looks like it's been there i'm sorry it didn't load for you nathan it was there the whole time You know, D23 is coming up for this year, so you might as well just start back with D23 for this year and make some predictions. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Star Wars is a whole another thing you know, right now. Well, I mean, there'll be Marvel news out of D23, yeah, too. Yeah, getting true. his hands on it, too. I'll do something, maybe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, uh, Eric Rackliff, say your goodbyes and let people know where they can find you. All right. 
As always, you can find me at very simply just at Eric Ratcliffe on Twitter. Uh, eRiddler87 on Instagram. Um, newcomicday.net for the awesomeness that is my webcomic, New Comic Day. And why I love comics, the audio edition. Uh, if you just Google that, it'll bring you hopefully right to the RSS feed or, you know, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you can find podcasts. And I think that's it. And ha, see, <laughs> see, Nate, I knew that eventually I would get there instead of just bringing up the Twitter and being like, follow that. Because <laughs> that was except for the Instagram all off the top of my head. I'm getting better. All right. Good deal. All right. So, yes, Eric, Ryan, Will, and the Kraken, thank you for joining us this week. You. Always, man. See you next time. And that's a wrap for Love and Thunder. We hope that you enjoyed it, and you can let us know that in a variety of different ways. You can email us at everything at 42cast.com. You can go to our website at 42cast.com and leave feedback on any of the episodes there. You can also go to our Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast. You can tweet to us or go on our Instagram at 42cast. You can also send us reviews on either Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. With Apple Podcasts, it really does help because the more reviews that we get, the higher we'll show up on searches. So if you have an Apple account and have the time, we would greatly appreciate it if you would give us a review. I'd also like to let you know about the ESO Network Patreon. That's a place where you can help all the shows on the network. There are various tiers that give you different perks, and you can check that out at patreon.com slash ESO Network. And you can get exclusive episodes, you can get early episodes, there's a whole exclusive podcast that you can only get from Patreon. So check that out, and if you can contribute any amount, we would definitely appreciate it. You can also find me on two other podcasts. One is Time Streams, where my friend Juliet and I are going through all of Doctor Who from the beginning. You don't have to buy the episodes to watch with us because we explain everything that's important that happens in the episode. So if you just want to listen to our banter, you can do that. But definitely, if you do watch the episodes along with us, you'll definitely get more out of it. And once again, that is Time Streams. The other show is Legendary Forces, and that's where Juliet and I again, but now joined by Joe, Ashley, and Corey, are going through all of Star Wars fictional media from the beginning. That's the movies, TV shows, comics, novels. We review the media, we tell you how good it is, but then we also talk about it within the context of the evolving Star Wars universe. So we talk about the ideas that are being brought in, we talk about what's different about what the media is talking about that is contradicted by later Star Wars media, and we sort of start developing this idea of a sort of canon or continuity of star wars and talk about how it's changed since the early days so if that sounds interesting to you that is legendary forces in other news beth and i are currently watching the last blockbuster on earth i've heard some negative reviews about it i kind of understand where people are coming from but i enjoy it i remember the days at blockbuster with a lot of nostalgia so this is definitely a show that is aimed at me and it is definitely working we're also watching Young Justice Season 4. The real problem with that is these seasons come out with such long gaps that we forget a lot. Someday we should probably do Young Justice Marathon from Season 1 to Season 4 just so we can get the whole thing all together. But we're scratching our heads at a few things when characters will show up or people will reference things that we're like, wait, when did that happen? Who is that? But we're enjoying it overall. We're also watching Paper Girls on Amazon Prime, which is kind of an interesting show. So 
I don't think that we'll do an episode of the 42 cast on any of them. So I'll just give my thoughts here whenever we finish those up. And yeah, you guys can just get my opinion straight here. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. Join us back next week when Mark Hamill will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan signing off. You have been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2021. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42 Cast is a proud member of the ESO Network. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.